Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the movie that's the definition of existentially horrifying. It's Ex Machina. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First are my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Man, this Tamagotchi movie was intense. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> the adaptation everybody needed. Uh, next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified Evangelion aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Um, absolutely terrified. <laughs> All right. And our special guest tonight, she's back, our friend, writer, podcaster, and creator of the comic Safe Sex. It's Tina Horn. Tina, glad to have you back. Yes, it's nice to be here just for you guys. I have been perfecting my synchronized dance moves to 1983's Disco Smash Hit Get Down Saturday Night by Oliver Cheatham, which is perfect for the podcast format. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, do you think Oscar Isaac already had this whole uh, thing memorized or this was just for the movie? Because I feel he like he looked, Oscar Isaac looks like he like discoed out of the womb. I'd like to think this is a some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate up hill type situation where they just saw him doing that one day, like after a day of filming, and they're like, put it in the movie. Yeah, you can tell by the fact that he's in that sort of like PJ onesie situation, right. which is major like soft clothes goals for quarantines. <laughs> yes, and his titties out. Ah. Mm. Oh. No, we'll talk about Oscar Isaac's body in this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that will be a topic of discussion. Uh, but before we get to that, last time you were on, you had a Kickstarter you were working on, and uh, now you actually have the, the actual comic is coming out, right? Yes, it turns out that just like sometimes when you play God and you create the thing that can uncreate you, Frankenstein, something, something, ex machina. Uh, I too, sometimes when you kickstart things, then the thing is kickstarted and emerges into the world to wreak havoc upon humankind, which is what my new book, Safe Sex Terms of Service, will surely do. Um, Safe Sex Terms of Service is the second volume of the Safe Sex series, a sci fi sex rebel. Um, comic book series of which I am the creator and writer and uh yeah I actually spent today proofing that book so uh I was in my head has been in in design all day and uh yeah meticulously making sure that like every t was crossed and I was dotted and uh yeah so it's going to be out from image comics in November 2021 and uh it has been it's a long time coming and it's very inspired by the movie that we're talking about today so <laughs> you're just gonna say I just thought you really leave it at it's very inspired it's, it's very so inspired. It's, it's so inspired. if I do say so myself it's very <laughs> inspired um and uh yeah it's about it it's about queers and sex workers 
uh, rising up against a totalitarian regime, which in, in the first book, Safe Sex Protection, which is out now, wherever fine books and comic books are sold, um, the sort of big bads of that story were second wave anti-porn, anti-glam, anti-fem, feminism, and like homonormativity. And now the big bads are incels and sex robots. And if people want to pick up that first volume before the second one comes out, uh, where's the best place they can find it? Oh, I mean, your local book or comic book store, naturally. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you guys should definitely check that out. Both the, the current uh, Safe Sex Volume 1 Protection, which is out now, and the upcoming is it available for pre-order right now? People it's totally available yeah. for pre-order. Again, hopefully from your local book or comic book store, but also our overlords have it ready for you if that is your poison. Yeah. So safe sex, terms of service. I will pray. Oh, That's... and I guess I should also mention that because I'm using backer kit with the Kickstarter, you will actually, once I launch my pre-sale store this is my first kickstarter so i'm a little bit like a child that wandered into the middle of a movie um but uh you'll also be able to buy it directly through the the, tinahorn.net t-i-n-a-h-o-r-n is where you can get all of the updates on that i promise i won't be shutting up about it for a year at least and i'm also on twitter and instagram at tinahornsess which is t-i-n-a-h-o-r-n-s-a-s-s or Tina Horn's ass, if you're nasty. <laughs> no judgment, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so it's it's going to be on your backer kit. It'll be linked from your website. Um, totally. Totally. Cool. Awesome. And does that money go directly to you or do... That's a great... I, <laughs> I think that is probably beneficial to me. If you... I'm really just... Look at what an entrepreneur I am. Um, uh, I think that that is preferable but sincerely like talking to your local book and comic book store is always something that I recommend but it is especially helpful for a book or a you know a book or a series life sex like safe sex because it is for adults and it mm-hmm. is you know queer uh made and it's very it's just like a very queer book and it's uh, in a lot of cases has a lot of like fetish specificity uh, and it's uh, not for the faint of heart and like the new book is more deranged than ever so there's going to be some people who are like "Ooh, a sexy book and they're going to be like ah this is so much ultra violence in this and then there's going to be some people who are going to be like I'm in it for the ultra violence and they're going to be like oh my god what are those people doing to each other consensually and enjoying it um, <laughs> no. um, but so going you know having the uh, the chutzpah to go to your local book and comic book store and say like I care about books like this um, uh, oh and I should mention the art team G. Romero Johnson is the artist in the new book and their work is just like fucking juicy and plump and incredible and uh, Kelly Fitzpatrick did the colors which are just like super surreal and amazing and Steve Wands did the letters which are always amazing and Lauren McCubbin did all the design which is super like glitchy and porny and anyway that's that's an, enough about me and enough about <laughs> safe sex but uh i hope people will check it out and it's so nice to be back on my favorite podcast about prog rock from the 70s <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about yes 
today and, yes. and King Crimson and yes, well, I mean, all those things. We at last pot. <laughs> Wait, what is the name of this podcast? Now? What? What podcast? We've done how many podcast? episodes? What? What is it? Where am I? Who's closer? These what? <laughs> we have progressively about Star Wars Tomb Raider crossover is really messing with Emily, huh? Yeah, really. Um, we here at Progressively Horrified always endorse safe sex. So. <laughs> thumbs up and also oh. um i will say pre-orders do help numbers for books so if you can pre-order please do that's also a thing yeah um and thank you for for the shout out to the art team as an artist i always appreciate it absolutely absolutely yeah. g's g's artwork is amazing so good yep so ex machina a movie another good where- movie we are getting equal amounts of menacing horniness from Alicia Vikander <laughs> as we are from Oscar Isaac. So true. Ooh. Yeah. So this is uh, yeah, menacing horniness. That is actually that's a good that's a what good a way great to... movie to be a bisexual coward. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like thank you for bringing this up. I do feel like this movie has really big bisexual energy, which is I, I, like, I guess I just say that because. As a bisexual, I definitely want to fuck everyone in this movie. Even the helicopter driver seems like <laughs> I'll take a tumble with him. He's got a helicopter. Even the uh, helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the even the helicopter. Um, but Not yeah, I feel like this movie has like chamber piece bisexual vibes for sure. That's yeah. a fantastic classification. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know. Speaking of menacingly horny, uh, it is written and directed by Alex Garland, who we nice. did cover Annihilation <laughs> as well, which Annihilation is sort of hornily menacing. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit mm. of the a little bit of the same in a different way. To like, it's horny for menace, I believe. True. Maybe totally. it's the smaller scope that just lets it be so much more intimate with the characters in the moment. But again, I really liked Annihilation. I like Ex Machina a lot more. Yeah, Alex I'm Garland is a man for that is horny for Oscar Isaac being scary and menacing. Uh, True. Yeah. <laughs> he and certainly who is, is that in both of these? Um, yeah. Speaking of which, Oscar Isaac, Donald Gleason, uh, Alicia Vikander, um, who you know you will recognize all of these people from being a Star Wars or being a Tomb Raider. Um, True. <laughs> totally. Yeah, they're they're all I have doing. This, I have okay. this Kevin Wada. Um, I'll like maybe take the laptop over and show you guys, but I have this framed Kevin Wada portrait of Oscar Isaac. It like in little like iridescent booty shorts, like floating what? in space. We get. Where? Oh man, this is is that a commission? I just no I just no had a, like a, a sexy Kevin Wada Poe Dameron pop into my uh, head. And I, yeah, that, I, no, that's that's, 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 what, that's, what, that's like. what it so is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, amazing. I'll, I'm not sure movie, that I've seen it, but I know what it looks like. <laughs> this movie it's been in your dreams. <laughs> gives us Alec Garland's first take at a vaguely evil self-messianistic uh, tech CEO figure. Oh, yes. Uh, before devs, which I still oh, haven't right. actually seen. That's right. I haven't even thought of that, but yeah. This is also an A24 movie, so it's got that seal of approval there. Um, this yeah, movie... Their, their slogan should really be like, A24, A mood. 
Like this movie is a more satisfying takedown of the tech industry than the three episodes of Silicon Valley I could bring myself to watch. Oh, absolutely. This movie is like one of those things that is so prophetic that you're just like, oh man, I did this is not like when it I, came out, it was like, haha, this would be a ridiculous future. And then five years later, we have exactly like messianic plutocrats like trying to go to space and yeah. like, go, going to space is like exactly like trying to create artificial intelligence I, in terms of like self-important billionaire one well, i feel like thing to do. with oscar isaac's character I, and its portrayal then i kind of feel like this movie was a little bit ahead of its time because i feel like 2014 society was still was like in its most fervent grips of like tech billionaire worship and hero worship totally and now we and now like it's so much more where it's like this is not okay and these people are not good guys well it's interesting for me because i just i'm still i'm still in my scary movie month chronicles right now i'm still doing my my list the first movie that i reviewed for scary movie month for my diaries was the social network Oh shit. Very scary. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that is really fascinating to see this movie coming off of the social network. Because Listen, are, it's like, we are so lucky that Mark Zuckerberg is not Oscar Isaac levels of like charismatic. Oh my God. I don't know. Would we, would I, would I prefer that world? Like if I have to have people like, if I have to live in, this Where's the pl- world plutocracy. where Zuckerberg is played by Pete Davidson? <laughs> <laughs> I think well, that's this one. That, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that um, if Zuckerberg was the kind of person that Oscar Isaacs was in this film, he wouldn't have probably, you know, he probably wouldn't have been doing the same exact shit because he would have been busy, like, fucking, you know? <laughs> I totally I I feel like the most unrealistic part of this movie that did the most to just push against my suspension of disbelief was this Google-esque company having a campus location in fucking Long Island. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that also, because I don't know, this is like sort of micro New York new, you know, history news, like blip on the New York history radar, but Ben, do you remember when Amazon was going to take over Long Island City? And then everyone was like, nope. I, I do remember. And again, bigger Long Island City, that makes sense. Totally. That's a great location. Long Island. Like, <laughs> so like Bella Haven, like an hour outside New York by train. Oh, my God. At, at least an hour and a half by car if there's any traffic, which there will be. Right. But you can drink on the Long Island Railroad, which I feel like some characters <laughs> in this movie might do. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to those content warnings in a second. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, we do have our, our IMDb uh, shorthand of what this is. A young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. Uh, that's pretty accurate, although I, this doesn't it doesn't quite get the level of menace that this movie has from like moment one. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, I would give this IMDB description and then just a twist a lemon <laughs> right on it. 
there's you know in a wound yeah <laughs> there's something kind of that you made yourself e about the whole movie but especially that opening portion just like in the office when he gets the email and how we're not given any other context outside we're not given any other setup we are just given the bare bones of what we need to understand why this plot is being is kicking off definitely reminded me of black mirror mm-hmm. oh yeah it was very black mirror so yeah recommendations oh. if you like this check out black mirror obviously twist the lemon <laughs> um so is this uh how scary is this movie oh my god it's, it's so horrifying. scary it's it's it there are very few places where there's anything that even approximates a jump scare but like you will feel menaced by this movie you will you will come away existentially horrified even if like even if like me you sat down and pretty early in the movie you were like I think I see where this is going. Like the reality of where the movie is going is much more horrifying than than you can imagine. Just the terrifying awkwardness of having to spend a week with your out of touch, slightly crazy boss. Slightly? (laughs) I mean, very crazy boss. Very crazy. Also, like who wouldn't be totally intimidated by i mean it's funny because you don't there's no there's no height reconciliation here in this film oscar isaacs is shorter than what what is this? donald, donald gleason. gleason donald gleason i'm so sorry donald gleason um, i think that's talks, better. partly why it's important that we introduce that when we introduce him he is like you get to see his physique he is doing the boxing and whatnot with the punching bag like this movie like it's the i wondered if partly of those way of being like yes there's a height difference but look at how even with that like we want to make sure Oscar Isaac is physically intimidating and dominating this dynamic even with the height difference oh yeah Yeah. well that's the thing is that that's yeah exactly (laughs) I'd say this is 100% what I feel like Todd McFarlane is like I can't really back that up but just like the the handful of conversations I've had with people that have worked for Todd McFarlane it just sounds like Oh yeah, that okay. <laughs> yeah, um, the I way so- I mean, just just those verbal manipulation, uh-huh. like that that asking questions that he has his own answers to. That's right. Like, yeah. oh my god! Like when he shows Caleb the bedroom, it's like this is making you uncomfortable. It's like, no, it's not. Like, yes, it is. There's something missing, isn't there? It's like, no, no, it's good. It's like, yes, it is. Like emotional manipulation as a way of as way of as preamble for exposition complete and forceful it's i want to say leading but it's it's um it's not just being like oh by the way there's no windows in here because research facility it's like i am going to put words in your mouth that's right yeah absolutely i'm just gonna force you to say what i want you what i want you to say because i i won't give any quarter well, and he does it masterfully, which is, I mean, we could talk about that in the context of the characters, but we can also talk about it in the context of Garland's screenplay and direction. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like part of the horror of this movie is, like, not to put too fine a point on it, but toxic masculinity and, like, the absolute accuracy of what it is like to be put in a position where somebody is power tripping you like with their (laughs) datitude 
and moment, yeah. yeah yeah exactly the like moment what you're that saying. really broke me where i'm like okay i'm a more broken person now <laughs> on like the soul level was oscar isaac explaining both how and why it was okay to have sex with robots oh yeah see it, i he got me long before that the moment yeah. where like they're walking down that first hallway and he's like here you have this key card you scan this key card in the door that door is for you you scan the key card and it doesn't open that's not for you don't go in there and he doesn't explain what anything is where anything yeah. is how to get to anything oh. he's just like here well and the, but, the, but then exactly Exactly. But this is the insidiousness part of it is that he presents it in this very gregarious way where he's like, and now why don't you try this? Oh, it opens. This must be for you. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's convenient. We take the awkwardness out of it. It's for your benefit. But no, I knew he was a shady character and bad news. I'm just saying it was the him explaining robot fucking where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to need therapy, and part of that therapy is going to need to discuss Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac's role in this movie. <laughs> but there's two things, just because we're talking about it right now, uh, the the key card that does open up some parts of the facility slash house and some that don't evokes uh, uh, oh my god, why am I forgetting if it's Blackbeard or Bluebeard? What is the fucking gothic Bluebeard. horror story? Bluebeard. Bluebeard. I'm like, Blackbeard? What color is his beard? Um, where it's like, Oscar hey, Isaac's beard welcome, is welcome. Thank you. Thank Has you. Have anyone ever done <laughs> nice Blackbeard save. versus Bluebeard? <laughs> Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Pirate. Surprisingly cool. Bluebeard. Not a pirate. Sucks. You know, but just well, like this premise of like, welcome to this like place where you now will stay like be attached to everything with golden handcuffs, but don't go in there. You know that. So it's like that establishes that it's a very gothic horror situation. Obviously, the sort of like underground, no light catacombs nature of it. But then ultimately, this is a Frankenstein story, right? Like if we're gonna talk about like what yeah. genre, even though it it definitely. Like the veneer and like the marketing of this movie feels a little bit more sci-fi, maybe even a little bit more just sort of like relationship drama. Like mm-hmm. the what the reason that this is a horror movie is that it is fundamentally a Frankenstein movie or a Frankenstein story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh, yeah, there's so much. I the trigger warnings and then we can get into the spoilers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot more I want to talk about. It's hard to talk uh, about it without uh, yeah. drinking. <laughs> there is misogyny. There is racism. There's heavy drinking. There is assault uh, of every kind, uh, mm. emotional and psychological manipulation, tons of body horror, uh, <laughs> so a little bit of self performed surgery. Good definitely classism. Stabbing. Yeah. Um, if you have if if you are at all skeeved out by people you know attempting to control other people or manipulating other people and that that's not a thing you want to experience uh this movie is heavy on it so yeah. be warned oh yes and daddy issues <laughs> this yeah. is Evan Gillian. the daddy issues that's what i'm saying mm. yeah <clears throat> uh, yeah also you know if, if you don't want to see oscar isaac running around with his shirt off all the time i mean i don't know why there's but- more for me there's a seesaw of of things here you know like you had there's some psychological manipulation but oscar eyes his titties are there so you know and he dances dances to the disco he dances like he wants to win Mm -hmm. um he's not panicking at that disco 
All right. Uh, so Caleb is. Let's call yeah. that the, the end of uh, the non-spoilery section. And uh, we can we can dig into uh, this movie. Is there anything anybody wants to say off the bat about uh, about this film as a whole? Um, I think I've said my initial thing. I mentioned menacingly horny, right? Yeah. Yeah, then well, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so what I want to say, uh, and I, we can like get into it as we get into the the plot, but part of the reason that I was excited to come on here and talk with you guys about this movie is that ever since the first time I saw it, and I have rewatched it many times because I have been a bit obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I I really think this is one of the most interesting movies about gender ever made Mm -hmm. like what this movie has to say about gender is so fascinating to me and I actually think like a lot of stuff that goes unsaid in a lot of storytelling that really that like as a society we really need to be reckoning with I can I'll get I'll get into the details as we go along but that's my favorite thing about the movie is that like through exploring what it means for like an impossibly rich and intelligent man to create his version of what he thinks female consciousness is (laughs) with the intention of achieving a goal through it through the synthetic female consciousness relationship to another human man the like triangulation of like what all of those characters and and there's also another character Kyoko whose gender is and identity is like very interesting but like every but everybody's relationship to like what they project about gender onto one another whether they have a synthetic or organic consciousness if such a thing even exists Mm -hmm. uh is super fascinating to me and i also think that this is a movie that like understands that robots are inherently queer because robots don't actually have a gender they are machines and that kind of calls into the question existentially of like whether organic beings have an inherent gender gender between Damo Gleason and and uh Oscar Isaac is incredibly interesting to me. Oh and, and like, yeah and like specifically sexual orientation right like whether or not like heterosexuality is programmed it's yes. like yeah, yeah there's definitely a reading of this movie that is queerness equals sentience. <laughs> yeah. And yes. therefore all straight people are unthinking robots. Yeah there's definitely a uh I think there's a lot of there's a lot in this movie sci-fi wise but i think like part of what makes it feel like an a24 movie is i feel like it's the a24 movie about gender because Mm -hmm. a24 movies the thing that they're about is always the thing that like you're kind of uncomfortable with the conversation they're having about it but you're like well because throughout this like the the way specifically everything around the Kyoko character makes me incredibly uncomfortable. I, oh yeah. But movie, it's designed to the movie knows what it's doing. Yeah. I yeah. think the movie does a great job exposing the inherent misogyny in the tech industry's unthinking rush to feminize subservient AIs, which we see over and over again. Siri, 100%. Alexa, Cortana. Yeah, and it is yeah. not a coincidence that this is in a Japanese woman 
either like that oh yeah, yeah. and like very... yeah just to build on that like the inherent racism uh, yeah we'll 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 get into that we'll get into it but yeah. uh, the one other thing that i want to say before we dive in is that i also kind of have a like you know uh magazine clippings on the wall galaxy brain meme theory about this movie as an allegory for sex work which as you guys know is a theme that is very personal and important to me so uh, again we'll 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 get to that but like yeah. i wrote a i wrote an essay um that jezebel published uh quite a few years ago now uh called what would it take for a sex robot to pass a Turing test, which is essentially also the question of this movie. Uh, this, yes. movie this movie, like, is not, like, sex is not in the subtext of this movie. It is the supertext, for yes. sure. Oh, yeah. oh, and, yeah. and, like, I think that what this movie has to say also about, like, not just gender, but what desire, like, how desire can, like, create and destroy humanity is like so fascinating uh, which is part of the reason i love it so much they don't they don't even come out and say it completely in the movie they kind of hint around it towards the end but i think the interesting thing to me is that this is a movie about a turing test and the turing test is um hey if i tell you she's a robot from the very beginning will you still try to rescue her from me like right because you know will you still feel like this woman needs to be rescued. I'd like to think that part of like the, what was it? The blue box search that got hit him, uh, that got Caleb chosen was he just reads a bunch of like short circuit Johnny five, like fanfic on AO3. (laughs) I mean, it it says, I mean, now that we're in the, the spoiler section, it happens in almost the very end of the movie, but he explicitly says that, she was designed based on Caleb's porn search history. Yeah, yeah. So I um, I joke a lot. I, I have joked a lot and I probably will continue to joke about the, the um, similarities between Evangelion, but that's just shorthand for the way that this movie interacts with the idea of transhumanism, of um, the sort of Promethean idea of the Frankenstein story and um, the objectification of women as it has been treated in a lot of these uh, and, and, and the uh, discussion of sex work mm-hmm. um, and a lot of these uh, sci-fi stories very, very prevalent in Japan with like, there's so much anime that are about or and, and manga about um, artificial intelligence or, you know, cybernetic women, things like that. Um, oh, yeah. so you know like battle angel alita ghost yeah. in the shell yeah um, i mean chobits uh video girl i you know one you have... ninth of cyborg zero zero nine <laughs> i mean it is like a third of 90s um like anime sci-fi content but then you you know you also have the conversation from metropolis and from blade runner and things like that so you know with all of that that as the base of this particular ziggurat um this movie kind of puts streamlines the conversation down to being about just the relationships between the character and the robot and or an ai i should say 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is m- not even a, a discussion about AI. It's a discussion about uh, women desire sexuality and gender, you know, and and the and how sex work, um, and the object like and the the tangential objectification of women within the toxic toxically, well, within the toxic, I should say, um, uh, interacts with all that. Um, Ben. Uh, on an execution level of the film, you know, we did saw recently and I talked about, um, how I wish there was a cut of the movie where it was just them in the bathroom the whole time. And without Mm. all of the flashbacks and the side Mm -hmm. plots going on and, on execution level, what I really enjoyed about this movie was that aside from really the first like two minutes where he wins and then the heli- and then gets on the ha- and then is on the helicopter, this entire film is these three characters like Nate, Caleb, and Ava, and it's the entire movie is this week like of them in the house, the three of them alone, aside from Kyoko. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's. I really admire this movie from a storytelling standpoint because it is very slow. It's very deliberate. It's very precise about what it does. It is almost entirely composed of slow conversation and people looking in mirrors and TV screens and being freaked out. Like that's most of what this movie is, but it maintains this incredible tension. And part of how it's able to do that is that it does this thing that they always talk about in storytelling of starting at the last possible moment like the last possible moment you could start the story is where you should start this and Mm -hmm. like it like we know nothing about this contest it doesn't ultimately matter other than that he won and that means that he is getting thrown into this fire like he is going i mean but part of but but part of what we learn is that the contest was rigged yeah, and that he was he was specifically selected, but you're absolutely that's actually that is a great piece of storytelling advice that I haven't heard before that I could probably benefit from actually. But like, but you're you're right that a bunch of time could be wasted establishing what it is like to work at this company and like what the hype of the contest was. But you, like, we don't need to. We yeah. are given. It's not even. Yeah, we're not even given like i feel like there's so many movies that would have done that like ooh, let's have like we we will introduce nate before we introduce nate he'll be on like some magazine post like covers (laughs) framed on the wall or we'll see a video clip of a news story talking about him it's like again it's so minimal it's just like it just the movie just trusts you just thrust you into the situation, just trust you to be able to piece it together. And the, the, the process of Caleb just kind of figuring out his situation um, does lend itself to this, this very unique kind of gravitas that, that um, Nathan has because they fly into they're they're flying into Jurassic park and they're even (laughs) as like a musical sting. It sounds like Jurassic park and they're, you know, this guy, I guess he lives in Alaska or something because there's like glaciers and shit. Um, or maybe it's just Canada. I don't know. I, don't I know assumed about it was a place like you think like, oh, he paid for the forest. It's like, I think he started with the forest and then he paid for the glaciers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are yeah, man-made you know, glaciers. He, he gets he gets dropped in you know middle of nowhere in sort of a, an open area in a forest. 
And the the guy is like the helicopter pilot's like, yeah, this is the furthest I can take you. You just gotta go that way. Like yeah, follow the river. Yeah. Is there a trail? We don't know. Dude's just got his suitcase and his suit on, and he's like walking through the wilderness. And, and this this is the this is so toxic masculinity in a way that like nobody says anything about in the movie of like the first thing he does is like put you off guard like he puts yeah, you in a place like, you don't know exactly, what's going on you exactly. are entirely dependent on him um and he doesn't ever say it he doesn't ever say like oh well you can't leave and if you did leave you would have no way to get out of here like it's it's totally toxic masculinity but it also i think is a really like it's a commentary on class that yes. infuses the entire movie because first of all if you were working in this company and you got this opportunity you would look really like it would seem weird and pathetic if you were like mm, but why am I going to I don't know anything about this why am I going to the middle of nowhere everyone would be like fuck you I want to go right yeah. so but also the idea that you would completely put your trust and your life in this person's hands because they're your boss, because they're rich and presumably very famous, because anybody who has all of this, like, would, like, like the idea that this person would, like, mean you harm would, like, not cross this person's mind. Well, and when, then he actually technically doesn't mean him harm, um, but that is not what happens. I mean, what we I guess psychological about, harm, you're right. I mean, we talked about earlier how he likes, about how Nathan likes to put words in Kale's mouth. He does that right from their very first interaction where he's like, oh, I know what you're thinking. You're free. Like, I get, I know why you're freaked out. Like, because of this house and stuff. Like, it's a nice, like, it's the nicest house. Like, he puts words in Caleb's mouth and it, and it's like, it's a domination of that. Like he's kind of forcing emotion and perspective onto Caleb. And then he's using that to enforce a power imbalance. Yeah, totally. Any other movie, I think where you introduce a character that has uh, that, like whose whole thing is making sexy robots. He doesn't have a robot greeter. <laughs> Caleb just has to fucking walk through his weird, minimal, brutalist house made out of rocks and there is the, go no go ahead oh and, and just kind of find oscar isaac who is in his like you know super uh minimal kitchen or like i have well, to admit i out, love the architecture and the design no, of this it's, place i would like it i would i would love to live in a house like that oh, it's yeah. super cool and like james bond villain you know it's just it's fucking classic and then uh that's, it, that's how i want that's my design aesthetic james yeah. bond villain yeah james bond villain living the only problem with that is you're used to living in new york and when you have a james bond villain later you can't walk to the you know, you can't walk down the street to get a snack or that ramen. is the problem. <laughs> also, the problem is I can't fucking sell this place to save my goddamn life. <sighs> I'm there, stuck there in this is, fucking studio. There is there's this shot. I can kind of like nerd out on shots that are metaphors sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the when you first see Caleb. And again, like I completely agree with everything that you all are saying that like he's put in this position of being submissive in like all of these very like subtle psychological ways. 
including like holding his face up to the thing to have his key card made. And then like his face that's on the, the key card is like, you know, the most embarrassing passport photo that you have to have for your whole life. It's like etched into metal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then there's a scene where he goes in and the door closes behind him and you see him going down the stairs. And it's one of those shots that's like, oh, you're trapped. Yeah. Like, like the the screen is like closing in around you and you don't even realize it yet, but we do. And like little things like that, again, are like part of what maintain the tension, even as things are very quiet and deliberate and slow as you were saying jeremy this this movie does so many interesting things with just little like details in the environment i think maybe my favorite is when he first goes in to meet eva in the chamber and he's in the little glass chamber inside of her chamber and you can see that there's a little like broken bit of of the chamber where something has clearly impacted it and yeah. like as thick as that, as thick as you can see the glass is, it's like, oh, something would have had to hit that really hard. Like, and then you find yeah. out later exactly what it was. You see yeah. it on the footage. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. and that that uh, that telegraphing is pretty effective because you already know that shit is is the situation is not correct. You know, <laughs> uncanny, um, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, also this is. Alex Garland had written novels and a lot of screenplays mm-hmm. um, before this, but this is the, the first movie that he directed and it's directed from his own screenplay. And he totally has that thing that, uh, like I was saying earlier about tryhards, like he, he just directs the fuck out of this movie. Like somebody who has been in showbiz for a decade or two that has just been like jotting down, like all these little ideas again, like shots as metaphors, like things that he Mm -hmm. is like, like once I get a chance to direct a movie, I am just going to be like that kid in film school that is just like trying fucking everything. But it, (laughs) it works yeah well i one thing i did not write on my notes that it was came up in my mind was eat your heart out stanley kubrick because i'm oh, reminded yeah. of uh you know the the attempts made in ai and of course oh, um, steven spiebel spiebel spielberg spielberg was there names senior spielbergo was there um and although he, jude law as gigolo joe is oh my high. god no all-time he was, fame sex robots there are some fantastic shit. There are fantastic shit. Man. It is plural. The, um, the version of this movie where it's Jude Law seducing Domhnall Gleeson. <laughs> yep, uh, well, he, there. Yep. Now headcanon. Okay. Well, that's the Goodbye. thing. See you guys and later. That, <laughs> that says a lot about also about, uh, you know, gender and sexuality expectations, because if Jude Law was Gigolo Joe, um, yeah, he would be his approach would be totally different than right. um Ava's approach, which was very like submissive uh, I, and you know. Um I can't Gigolo but anyway. Joe just sounds like the name of like a used car dealership owner, <laughs> which is just making me imagine like the local TV ads that Gigolo Joe would do for <laughs> the local Gigolo Joe Robo Robo brothel. I hope I live long enough that that becomes a reality that I, that I find myself at Gigolo Joe's vintage electric car uh, before they were using hydrogen cell uh, fucking lot 
where you could also like go in and you know have a good time with a very come on um, down to sanitary joe's off exit nine on route 86 mention this commercial and we'll give you a t-shirt and a cock ring yeah (laughs) (laughs) never accept a free cock ring (laughs) there's no such thing as a free cock ring (laughs) so now that in the in the film now that caleb is um completely off his guard Mm. he is is just overwhelmed and he is being told he's being overwhelmed and Mm. asked to stop being overwhelmed he's being told he's overwhelmed by oscar isaac as he pumps iron in his yeah and i'm like look if i was in a a gym and oscar isaac i'd never seen or heard of oscar isaac until that moment like i was living in mary's room and I had only had been researching <laughs> Oscar Isaac. And then I finally saw Oscar Isaac. Um, the world was suddenly in technicolor. <laughs> yes, yeah, suddenly the world became, had color. Um, and uh, I would be freaked out. If I saw him and his titties out and his like incredible well, like facial structure and muscles and he was there like punching and he was like, hey, yeah. Yeah, you want to fuck the robot? And I'd be like, sure. Are you the Are robot? you the robot? On the spectrum telling me you're the robot. of Oscar Isaac looks similar to Spectrum of Color. Uh, this is definitely one end of the spectrum. Yeah, I mean, this is like, uh, what is this? Bronson? What's the fuck? What's the guy? Tom Hardy. Boston? Sure. Yeah, Tom Hardy wasn't Bronson. Yeah. Is that what you meant? I meant the guy, the big muscle guy. Yeah, Tom Hardy and Bronson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking about that, like the bald, like Armstrong look with the with the bald and then yeah, the Tom beard. Hardy and Bronson. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I want to so I, I want to talk about Oscar Isaac in this movie. I feel like you can imagine a lot of different actors approaching this role with a lot of very specifically masculine vanity and kind of being high in their own supply. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Oscar Isaac almost, I, I, there's a lot of things that I like about this movie, let me be clear, that I'm not even sure if I want to give Alex Garland credit for them, which is like not totally fair of me. Yeah. Um, but having seen a lot of his other work, I I don't, and having read the beach, um, uh, I he doesn't always. This movie displays like an awareness of all of the things that we're talking about that I, I kind of like haven't seen in his other work. And I'm kind of like, did you accidentally make all of these really interesting comments of all of these things? Um, and I, but I will give credit to Oscar Isaac because I feel like you can see in his performance that he's almost transcending the material where like on the page this jeff bezos elon musk motherfucker yeah i I think i get what you're saying there's a version of this movie where that's benedict cumberbatch this character works so well because yes there is all of the red flags galore there is all of the emotional manipulation but it's all tempered with this absolutely undeniable charisma yeah yeah but the charisma is not like 
he, I think, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. I feel like Oscar Isaac understands he that understood this, the assignment. That he understood the assignment. Parlance. Yeah. And he, and he understood that, or I feel, or like he, this is what I'm saying, that he like made his own assignment, the assignment being like charisma as a weapon, like, and charisma as evil. Like it is, it, it's an evil charisma and it's not just like him as this tech god. It's also just him as a as a man, uh, you know, yeah. and, and I don't even say that this, to be misandrous, like this converse- particular kind of, of masculine, maybe I should say like masculinity more than like him as a man, like he understands like what like is inherently evil about someone who has all of this power and all of this money and all of this intelligence and like what happens when that collides with masculinity. Just the way he was able to make such like control like broy when he's yeah. like oh you have no phone privilege like i mean you're a total unknown not that i don't like you. i mean we hit it off total pals and everything but oh yeah you know like the way he made is like the way he turned like i am not letting you have any outside communication but you know like bros it's like no not like bros <laughs> Well, the thing about the character, I think is one of the things that you're, you're saying is that he is performative to another level. Mm. Um, and I think that especially with the alcoholism. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the character realizes and has accepted that he is awful. Yeah. Um, and I had this theory that I'm like, what? You know, like I have this theory that he was initially um, like he's like a closeted asexual. Oh, that is performing all of this because he knows, you know, just like the Mary's room thing. He has uh, he knows about sex and desire and he has learned about it scientifically, but he has never really figured it out um you know he's never really gone outside of the room and that's this, fascinating i i mean the, and and that's i'm saying this that's as really an asexual reading of his character yeah because i'm saying this as an asexual who is watching this movie and seeing the existential terror of having sexuality projected on somebody and projected on yourself mm. and being forced to be sexual when you don't want to be um the uh the just the amount of performance that oscar isaac's character and the fact that you can sort of see him care about it in varying levels mm. um, where he sort of lost his script a bit. And every time Caleb comes up with something, he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. God, I'm God now. Oh, yeah. I'm the story of worlds. Sounds good. You know, whatever. I'm drunk. Um, and and watching him interact with these uh, um, with his creations Mm-hmm. and just try to figure it out and and um it it's really fascinating i think it's a pretty deep level i don't know if that's as if that's intended but i feel like it gives the character an extra bit of depth that other actors may have not really thought about and they would have come off as cheesy whereas oscar isaac's character has this amount of self-awareness and you know you see that he's at the end he has like been through an arc and he has fallen and he is just in his abyss and that's where he lives yeah you're to- I, I i i'm totally buying the nathan 
asexual reading and like partially because it's so fascinating to think about how that parallels what Ava is doing, which is like, she doesn't have an, in, an inherent sexuality. She understands how to use sexuality to achieve her programming or her goal or her purpose. And yeah the idea that Oscar Isaac is also doing the same thing. And like, whether you see that as like a, you know, th there's definitely like a incest commentary in this uh, as well. Uh, speaking yeah. of, of Gothic horror, like of <laughs> him, of him as her dad. So whether she like, I could just sort of see her seeing her be like, well, like I learned it from you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> but also yeah. the idea that like, he, like if he is programming women to use sexuality to achieve goals in order to demonstrate or prove consciousness, artificial intelligence and, 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 and sentience, which is, which is we learn at the end what Nathan's goal is, then the idea that, that he would do that, like based on his own experience is really fascinating. Yeah, Cause he also like, no, he like Ava, he knows how hot he is and whether or not like somebody is heterosexual or like attracted to him or not. Like whether you're attracted to Oscar Isaac or not, which who are you? But, um, <laughs> if, uh, but like, if you're, uh, whether you're attracted to him or not, his, uh, his like sexuality is, he, again, he's weaponizing his sexuality just in the form of what we've talked about already with that like compact power. Mm -hmm. that that he has and like this cycle of that is really familiar to me I just you know I'm from California and I know a lot of alcoholics so like the cycle of like I'm gonna get myself obliterated blackout drunk every night to deal with the existential anxiety of like isolation and what I'm doing here and then no one understands me because I'm too fucking smart and hot <laughs> but then I'm also gonna like drink like specially filtered spring water and fancy smoothies and like do a detox and then like work out really hard just like doing everything to yeah. the extreme all the yeah. time is um is so familiar to no me that archetype just, i'm yeah. either going to be monk-like diet with ultimate exercise or I am getting like blackout drunk, which yeah, is all so about control, right? It's like a, it's like I'm going to deeply lose control with booze, and then I'm going to obsess over control in all other parts of my life. Yeah, and I think all... that's 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 interesting to me because I think that occurs to me that that is also, uh, I mean, not just that that's sort of how he's treating Caleb, but that he is seeing Caleb as sort of an ex extension of this stuff in himself, where like. Caleb has these ideas and he's like, no, fuck you. That's stupid. I already had that idea. And I taught myself that that was stupid. Like, mm. you know, and then like, that, that's part of why he just is sort of on top of Caleb about these things. He's had these conversations with himself and he's fucked himself mm -hmm. up over it. And he's, you know, made this decision that like, all right, this is what I'm going to do now. I am going to decide that this is right so that I can control this situation. And so, you know, you're, your opinions, your petty right and wrong shit doesn't apply to me because, you know, I've, I've had to evolve past that. And you're yeah. in my house and you're not going anywhere and you're not making any phone calls. And and Oscar Isaac's character does seem to see any sort of um, qualitative experience as a means to an end. Totally. You know, as opposed to Caleb, who is supposedly, you know, actually gives a shit 
about things. Yeah. And I mean, we, we learn pretty quickly here once, you know, he settles in that uh, Caleb's job is to be the, the human half of this Turing test where he's going to introduce him to this AI, uh, Ava, and he is going to interview Ava to come up with ways to prove that this is in fact artificial intelligence that he's created and not just really sophisticated programming. There's um, a really great moment where, you know, we've talked plenty about the way that Nathan intimidates and gaslights Caleb into like the entire situation, the entire movie. But like, he's like, I'm going to bring you out here. And now that you have gone to all the trouble of getting here, now I'm going to give you this really intense NDA. And Mm -hmm. Caleb, like a boss, as we all should, says, I need to talk to a lawyer and then Nathan's like, mm, okay, well, then you're just like gonna miss out on this like really cool thing. And then, like, yeah. And then Caleb isn't a boss and totally folds, but we need him to do that because it's the movie. Um, but also, uh, but the then psychological manipulation I, is. 100%. I would like to see the version of the movie where Caleb doesn't sign it, <laughs> and then they just spend the week drinking at his like cool house. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but then right after that very canny of Nathan, very canny of the screenplay. Nathan is like, so like, you know what a Turing test is? Cause like he motherfucking knows that Caleb knows what a motherfucking Turing test is. Oh, yeah. He's well, a nerdy programmer, right? That and, works for him. And he's also been monitoring every single person's phone in the universe. Word. Um, so, so, uh, and then Caleb's eyes light up. There's just all these little moments where as unbelievable as some of these scenarios are then you really believe and like relate to Caleb in those moments where he's like oh now I'm not thinking about the NDA I just signed anymore because I'm realizing that it was totally the right thing for me to sign that NDA because I'm going to be the human component in a Turing test and you've built an AI and this is really cool and I'm really special yeah because that's sort of like Caleb's fatal flaw when, not only that he is a captain Savaho, which we'll get to but also <laughs> that he is uh like he i mean he's naive well it all stems from wanting to be special it's, he wants to be he wants to believe yeah. that he's special nathan completely like completely gets him with when he says like oh i picked you out because you're the best programmer you're like me you're smarter than everybody it's so clearly what he wants here and then even Ava is so easily able to manipulate him with like, you're special. You're the one like I want to be with. Like, oh, yeah. Let's yeah, be together. I haven't met like, anyone else, you know. Like, yeah, let's, this... let's talk about Ava some. Yes. Yeah. We haven't, well, I I'm... feel like we've talked a lot about the two men in this. We haven't talked about <laughs> sort of the subject of this movie, which is, we've been is talk- Ava, let's the have... actual AI. Let's... I, I was going to make a quick to joke. our credit. We haven't just been talking about. Oh, oh man, we've been talking about Oscar Isaac. Well, so, <laughs> Donald Gleason, by the way, is also and just very, very attractive and an excellent, very canny performance in this movie. Like, like everyone everyone's is very good match. in this movie. Like yeah. the three main performers, excellent, excellent across the board. Real quick, if Caleb didn't sign the paperwork, then Oscar Isaac would have wheeled in Kyoko and she would have been all bandaged up. And then he would have been like, then she has to do it. And then he'd be like, oh, fuck. It's an Evangelion joke. Anyway, continue. I, I knew where you were going with Thank it. You. Sorry, sorry. My my anime literacy is... Don't uh, worry about it. This is for this is for me and Ben. And I'm and sure there are many, many listeners right now yeah. are very, are just chuckling to themselves at, as you pander to them. 
my this is my brand <laughs> i have to adhere to it yeah so ava alicia vikander <laughs> can i yes. if i could with two a's though travel yeah. into films i want to go into any movie where someone is creating whether it be sci-fi or fantasy a new being or species and they're like I'm going to call it Ava or I'm going to call it Adam. Just just slap y'all silly. What about Lilith? I'd be down for Lilith. You don't see it very often. And it shows that you're willing to get like hardcore. Like, look, we're making life. Who knows where what's going to happen to it? Like there is an ownership with Adams and Ava's that always bothers me. You make you create life and you're like, it's a Lilith. You're pretty much saying like, look, Fucking 50-50 chance it kills me, and that's the dice I choose to roll. Evangelion, there's Lilith. The same. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I want more original names with first beings. Be like, hey, I have created a new spe- I, I have created a new AI life form. Check it out. It's Vanessa. I mean, yeah, well, Siri, Alexa, or something. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's like. And then I, from the mud of the earth, put upon the the mud, the flame of life I in my image. Madison. I mean, this is even, again, <laughs> Frankenstein, where he's like, I will call him Adam. It's like, um, I guess you invented. I will call him my monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, I mean, how do we know that it's uh, allegorical if we don't refer to the book that we think that everybody's read, I guess? I, I guess it was it. different when it was the only book you could be guaranteed that everyone would know. And it was the I'm... only common re- point of ref- pop cultural yeah, point of reference. Frankenstein. Um, so, Frankenstein. So Ava's design in this movie Ava's design in this movie won an Academy Award for special effects. And I can't, I can't remember... I can't remember what the other movies were that year, but they were definitely sort of the more usual movies that win uh, the special effects Oscars, like lots of war and spaceships and like Like big- Like Academy Award-winning film Suicide Squad. Oh God, what, really? Yes, Suicide Squad won an Oscar for best makeup. Okay, well, you know. Is that the one with the Joker that's damaged? Yes, but it also had Killer Croc. And oh, okay. That was pretty cool. Okay. Well, anyway, it the, the the design of this movie does an amazing job of of essentially the thing that we've already referred to, which is like the the twist on the Turing test in this movie is like we're in the sort of position that Caleb is in. Like Garland is putting us in the position as the viewer that Nathan is putting Caleb in, which is if you can completely see that this being is clearly a machine, do you still sympathize with it? Do you still project humanity onto it? Like, do you still care about what it cares about? And it it works. Oh yeah, the special effects for Ava are Dunning. Yes. It is an ach- a crowning achievement in special effects. And, and the, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just on the, the design note, like there's a there's a really great clarity of design in this movie in terms of the way that the AI is presented and the way that the, the robot the robotics are presented without too much fanfare about like look at our special effects. It's very it's it's very straightforward in how it um 
presents that character and very interesting in terms of how you know it's sort of this is the the kind of reverse touring test do we want to talk about i mean i, th- I feel like we should d- define touring test for the listeners so a Turing test is a test designed by Alan Turing, homosexual icon, who like where if a human is interacting with a machine and doesn't know that the the machine, whether the machine is uh, is human or a machine, which is again what the the twist on this is that you do know. Yes. Can you can can the human tell the difference between interacting with a human and interacting with a machine. So like, for example, if you're playing uh, like chess, you know, like chess with software and there's a possibility that the human is, that there's a human on the other end of it making the moves against you or the machine is making moves against you. Can you tell by interacting with the chess software if you're interacting with a human or a machine? Yeah. So it's, it's basically a test of how sophisticated the AI is, whether you can tell as a human, whether it's a, whether it's a artificial or not. And I think that part of the idea is that if a human can't tell the difference between a machine and another human, a fellow human, that is like going some way towards the machine having self-awareness sentience perhaps eventually the singularity right like yeah that's 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 part of that's part of what this movie is grappling with for sure yeah so and and that also brings up the the idea i mean that's that's where we're jumping off from with the idea of this movie talking about um gender and sexuality because you know we are approaching this character as an object Mm. and so you know how does sexuality how does the idea of sexuality interact with our perception of a a consciousness um you know go ahead please there's something so fucked to me about the line it has like i programmed her to be heterosexual yes like oh my god like fuck like once you you made a conscious show like i don't know maybe it's just being non-binary and queer but just like just the fucked upness of just making a choice and being like, I choose straightness. But also in that conversation, which happens a little bit later, but like, yeah, no, I I raised that poorly. But no, 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 no. I mean, I, I agree with you completely, but like what we, that's still in the part of the movie where Nathan is manipulating Caleb and like telling him what he wants him to hear again in order to achieve his goal which is like Nathan programmed Ava to have the directive and I'm not a, an engineer of software or hardware or wetware uh, at all. Um, everything that I know about computers, I know from reading like philosophy about artificial intelligence because it's so interesting to me. Nice. But like, but like, um, it's, it's like taking like quantum physics in order to, and like, this is everything I know about science is like, you know, what's in the box. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so like, um, uh, like it's Schrodinger's Nick- Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Wow. I see what you did there. That was really, that was really sad. Points, points for you. Snaps. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what's in the box? <laughs> 
that's a sorry okay now I'm thinking about how to make a comic out of that um but the point is is that like Nathan tells Caleb that he programmed Ava to be heterosexual partially as a a, a way of bringing up like he because he also says to Caleb you were programmed to be heterosexual and they have a whole conversation about like hashtag born this way like nature nurture etc etc um because Caleb is like very offended by the idea that he he's he says like nobody programmed me um and uh Nate immediately turns that into a philosophical trap by immediately turning that to like so you chose to be straight exactly and then that's a trap but then it's like but you chose but you're saying you chose Ava's sexuality for her but but he I think my read of the movie is that Nathan didn't necessarily program Ava to be heterosexual. He programmed her to understand like heterosexual desire, like specifically the desire of a heterosexual man. I like that. I like like that reading. because, 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 because Ava's directive is to escape. Ava's directive is freedom. And so with the tools that she has been given, the, like, and that's what, spoiler, for the end, she, like, she achieves it. The freedom that Ava achieves, she achieves because Nathan gave her all of these tools to understand this creature, this strange creature of this, like, cute straight man that is presented to her. And she understands, like, how to use him to get out of the box. And it works. Yeah. Right? And so, like, she, and uh, you know, this... This is like maybe a good place for me to signpost like my sex work reading where like as a sex worker, I relate so much like, okay, I'll say this as a queer sex worker in a heteronormative world, I have used heteronormativity and my understanding of what straight men want in order to achieve in order to get money, which in some ways is a form of freedom. And I know like plenty of people who have like, use their under like a plenty of queer sex workers who have used their understanding of heterosexuality heterosexual desire heteronormativity and all of its tropes in order to get like all kinds of freedom like uh like to get out of shitty situations uh dangerous situations and also like how to get assets how to like get things that they like like couldn't get otherwise and i feel like that's part of what that was like the allegory that resonated for me so much in this movie but and then the really really great twist is that she does it in a way that actually transcends the pro like the programming or the 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 intention of the person who programmed her right yeah like because she obviously like it was what what ends up happening which we will get to was not completely a part of Nathan's plan. Like Nathan wins, but then he also doesn't win. It's interesting with this, this idea of her being programmed with the parameters of what a heterosexual man would be interested in rather than to be heterosexual, you know, cause it is also described that she is given information from the entire search engine. That is the blue book. Blue book is yeah, basically. If she's Google. got all that info, then man, she's got so many dark blue book searches in her head I mean, oh yeah that's another way i mean we've talked about the tech genius quote unquote thing and how they want to like gain so much like wealth and power and fame that they would like transcend humanity in these like sci-fi ways and, the, and how this movie predicted that but the movie also predicted the ways that data and online personhood 
could be weaponized in, yeah like that's the world that we're living in now and it is and that's we're a, like only beginning to see the implications of that yeah and that's a footnote in the film totally too. Yeah. i mean it's like <laughs> it when caleb asks like did you base her face off my porn searches it's not even like was this is a betrayal it, it was just more of this resigned sense of like how far did it go like how invasive was it and Nathan's just casual, like, hey, if you got to Google. Yeah, if yeah, you got I, all I the think, information from every single search. I think the, the question of the program sexuality is an interesting one to me because I don't think if, if he has created an artificial intelligence, if she has her own consciousness, then it doesn't matter what he programmed because, totally. you know, she has, the, she has the freedom to change and decide herself, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, you can program whatever, whatever he wants, but at the point that he succeeds in what he is theoretically attempting to do, then it doesn't matter what he programmed, which is sort of what the, I mean, that's what, what the, I mean, the world the definitely tried to program me to be straight. I mean, in yeah. the movie with that, you know, even though there's no kiss or anything, I mean, I, it feels impossible not to take a queer reading from the scene she has with Kyoko at the end. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. Well, it's a very, very intimate scene. Um, and you know, she and Kyoko share a sort of a connection and I don't think it's, it's, well, there's, there's a certain amount of womanhood there. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if it's, it is sexual, but it is definitely intimate and, you know, I guess if we want to, and maybe this is too deep a reading and maybe sometimes, yeah, a cigar is just a cigar. (laughs) If there's something to these two skipping ahead to the end if there's something to these two characters uh who have been assigned and arbitrarily given this role of this man's idea of womanhood kill using a very phallic object of the knife to kill him and take their freedom Oh yeah, and that knife just slides in like oh yeah, just goes like warm like well, it's nice a fucking, warm body, and you know why? Because it's a sushi knife. Yep, there was also a cut of I, th- I believe it was a cut of a discussion of the of um, Ava or like a particularly sexual uh, and or intimate exchange with Ava that cut directly to the cutting of salmon <laughs> or tuna or whatever i think it was tuna but it was a very That's like flesh like looking fish yeah yeah um, it's fascinating to me the difference between the violent acts that uh you know our, our character of oscar isaac does mm-hmm. like that nathan does and how how brutal and violent he is as compared to the acts of violence done by you know the the two female computer characters in this movie where they both like the stabbing is not aggressive it is just a matter of fact like mm-hmm. you know both both times they stab him they bo- and they of, have this look like sort of slides huh. in like and they both kind of like tilt their heads to the side like huh mm-hmm. i mean he's they're just meat to them this you know? yeah. gentle stabbing versus this primal brutality of him swinging the iron bar yeah, yeah. very kind of place it Let's not forget the the very the very quiet nonviolent murder of Caleb at the end of this movie, where he is just oh, yes. left locked in a room 
to be <laughs> God, so good. Yeah, he's he's he is not let out. He is not Yikes. provided for in any way. So presumably he will either kill himself or starve. Yeah. Yikes, well, yikes, 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 yikes. Yeah, yeah big, that's, that's that, that is maybe yeah, the the oof and anyway. Um ah! but yeah, it's a, and, it's at this point of the movie I do want to mention that you know we do get Nathan not only is he uh, like viciously trying to objectify Ava. Um, to Caleb and you know this is again a means to an end um, and less about his although his character is definitely problematic in that way but he also is racist to Kyoko um, and uh, you know Kyoko is initially introduced as an assistant not as um, a robot although you know considering the context. I was a little context, unclear on like if we were supposed to think she was human like they don't say that she's human but i've always felt like he there's so many tricks and twists inherent to this movie that garland is smart enough to know that most people are going to probably figure out that kyoko is a robot pretty early on yeah and yeah, that I mean, even the way but, she walks when she first comes in and puts the tray down when she but it, Caleb up but it also thing. plays but it plays with this like orientalist like xenophobic idea of the like perfectly trained yeah. asian servant like so i i think and that as we discover he has a whole closet full of uh, other women but yeah. this is yes. the one he's chosen to be his silent servant character who he occasionally yeah. just fucks for fun when he's frustrated yeah and or the dances way... with oh yeah or dances with um <laughs> That is that is one way that I relate to Caleb. If I had that house and that goal and the means to make all of those things, I would definitely program my assistant to dance with me and make perfect sushi. I'm I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm not not saying that forgives uh the uh the racism or the misogyny or anything else but uh who who can relate to that i mean if i yeah like i would just make them a cat boy or something (laughs) just for just for funsies um but yeah the way that he says she doesn't speak english is like it like you know and kind of waves it away is like oh and then i can like discuss things in english and like keep them private it it is an interesting way that the movie uses our understanding of that this character would be racist and misogynistic in a very intersectional way. Yeah. But also, and, and like what that means about like the fact that he can actually program all of these machines to understand any language that he wants. So it's like entirely yeah. possible actually that Kyoko does not understand english yeah he's she's just been programmed to not understand but um he for someone trying to create ai he is obsessed with these women or with these creations not having agency yeah yeah he's obsessed with creating something that he can then he he seems obsessed with creating something that wants agency that he can then take that agency away but the agency is only for the purpose of proving his own achievement. Yeah. yeah. Like the, then, the, ag- the agency demonstrates 
that they have free will. At no point in the movie does he say what he thinks, what he plans to use this AI for or how he thinks it will benefit mankind, uh, humankind. He just he just asserts that he's like important. You know, it's they they talk about they quote Oppenheimer. Yeah. You know, it's he never stopped to ask himself. He was too busy thinking about whether if he could do it to stop and ask himself whether or not he should. Spared no expense. To be fair, again, equally applicable to Facebook, as it turns out. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. Like that's that's talk about the social network being a horror movie but um we'll we'll, i hope we talk about that movie in a in full at some point i mean at some point we have to talk about the existential horror of hey what ruined global democracy well this guy at this kid at harvard really wanted a website where he could rank which of his classmates were hot or not i mean in a way this movie is not that far from that oh yeah if totally you, if you i mean the, the ending is i i know we're kind of talking about the movie in a roundabout and ambiguous way but like in the end uh like you know the the, the ending is ambiguous and mm-hmm. you could believe that she is like the next stage of humanity you could believe that she that this is the end of humanity because yes. she is going to take over. They met, um, they met, they, t- they talk about that explicitly too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's also, a pretty specific I, thing. She's got to figure out how to make more of them gooey brain, gooey brains, gooey, the gooey, wetware, the wetware, the wetware. Yeah. Wet I like, do that was like, it's not the AI where it's like, oh shit, she's connected to the internet. Now she's everywhere. It's like, that is all a, the phones. That is a, <laughs> that is a very specific, very hard to replicate technology. Yeah, I don't know if it's the proximity of watching this in Star Trek Voyager, but uh, the Star Trek shows, they have gel packs that power the computers because they have to have like neural nets inside them, mm. um, which is like very similar to what they're talking about in this Um when they, and neural gel packs and it's like yeah. wait neural gel oh what um and nathan does mention star trek by name he mentions star he names drops star trek and he names drop he names name drops ghostbusters oh yes um one more arbitrarily than the other <laughs> it's a um, movie man yeah. i did i did um when i uh in this in the scene where he is like showing where nathan is showing caleb how ava was constructed and he holds up her little like gel brain or like a prototype of her of a of a gel brain of the kinds of robots that he has been making Mm -hmm. and he uh and he says it's not hardware it's not software it's wetware i definitely thought that was a pussy joke for like years and then i was gonna i wanted to incorporate it like it, I wanted to incorporate it into Safe Sex Terms of Service, my new graphic, original graphic novel available in November 2021 from Image Comics. Um, but then I Googled it and realized that it's actually a cyberpunk term. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like basically to describe like organic mech and like minds. I, I, anyway, it's I just I thought it was an Oscar Isaac pussy joke. Uh, well, I yeah, mean, it, I it's applicable. I Certainly. used to think it was describing super soaker technology and advancements <laughs> in our water gun weaponry. Listen, super soakers are cyberpunk as fuck and nobody can tell me any different. Yeah. So we I, meet I think... Ava and you can see right through her and that won them an Oscar. 
not Oscar Isaac and Academy Award. And she oh, that someone also, should make an Oscar statue wanna, that looks like Oscar, Oscar Isaac. If I ever you get would, a six pack, I want someone to give me an award that looks like Oscar Isaac in this movie. You Amazing. win the Oscar <laughs> Isaac. And I'm you, sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting for that very stupid thought. A wonderful, wonderful thought. Uh, yeah, I, I and had so a you know, thought I wanted to interrupt. Oh yes, too, please, please. Which is just us. that um, you were you were talking about the the references that are made in this movie, and I when we're talking about the various ways in which he uh, he exerts his toxic masculinity to control Caleb, uh, the fact that throughout this movie he calls Caleb smart to call him stupid is like mm. oh it's it's so it, it hurts every time because like yeah, totally. you know caleb will bust out a quote that he's like yeah that's a important quote from uh from oppenheimer or any number of things and oscar is like oh man you got a real good way with words like that's a it's a great thing i wish i had thought to say something like that and caleb has to react with like oh no i didn't I didn't come up with that. It's from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Yeah, it's from the Veda. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it it puts him in this situation of like, he feels like he said something smart. And then Oscar Isaac just diffuses it and just pulls the rug out from under him. And it, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) And he does Uh, it like four or five times in the movie. Yeah, um, and you and you feel like he's doing it to you because for most of the movie you kind of you do you can't help but identify like, with Caleb. Really, even though yeah. it almost immediately backfires on Caleb, uh, because of all that, because of we've had a whole movie of Nathan just completely verbally dominating and emotionally Caleb. Like, there's something so cathartic when we get Caleb's reveal at the end, and we get to see. Nathan Ozymandias. When, <laughs> when, when Caleb says, "Oh, uh, you can't stop me because I did it yesterday," <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do appreciate that the movie shows you shows him having done it before okay. it tells you he did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like it's good stuff. Like, because I definitely did spend like a few minutes being like, "Oh," because I remember. I said, like, I'm going to rewrite the code. I remember thinking, it's like, oh, you probably should have done that the night before when you were rewriting the code. But that's yeah. what's so great about the tragedy of it is that he, like, every, like, both of these men, like, win the game of wits, but also lose yeah. at life. Because they're playing with life, and life uh, finds a way. Finds a way. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. But going back to Ava's design, there's two things I want to say. First of all, Alicia Vikander has a dance background. Mm -hmm. And I've read a little bit about the way that she, like all credit to the special effects designers who like just like did wonders with this and all the ways that we've talked about. We definitely have to give her credit for the way that she embodies this inhumanity while also being very sexy which one thing that I appreciate about this movie is that there is a very specific textual reason for the robot to be sexy and it's mm-hmm. and so it's not gratuitous oh, um, thousand percent and that, and that a- gives her and that gives her agency over her sexiness which again like for me is is a sex work narrative there's where like very, her sexiness is her power there's a very specific 
movement to her character. There's a phys- there's a very specific physical language to Ava, and that is entirely uh, to Alicia Vikander's credit. And there's yeah. something so smart from like a from both a writing and a character perspective that when she gets dressed, when oh, she yeah. tries to when she is attempting to yes. pass as human for him, she does yes. not get dressed sexy. She plays innocent. She you know, yes. has long stockings on and she puts a lot this sort of flowery girl dress on and like that like she is making him project onto himself that he is That's right he is sexualizing her and that she is you know an innocent in this um you know it's it's this weird sort of uh double psych out that like yeah because she yeah she understands how erotic it is for a man to rescue a woman and that sure. is what makes like that's again with the with the sex work allegory. Like Caleb is a total Captain Save a Ho. Like, like he he you know that's at one point she asks the title him, of the episode. Captain <laughs> uh, he he thinks of himself as a good person. He probably mostly is a good person, but there is this very insidious way in which him believing that he knows what's best for her more than she does or more than more than the person whose home he's in is like actually just as misogynistic as the blatant uh objectification and the literal objectification of, of what nathan is doing so like nathan is the guy that shows up in the strip club totally wasted just like throwing dollar bills around and everyone's like well this guy is a prick but we're gonna make a lot of money tonight yeah exactly like you know what like ultimately like let's just like milk him for all he's got yeah uh, literally and then and and then caleb is the guy that's like i don't even really want to come to the strip club you know i'm not like the other guys that come in here you know i i but you'd like i know you don't really want to be here like do you want to like be my boyfriend and then you can like leave this life behind you know so both of these types are very familiar to me if you can't tell um, oh yeah, yeah and she knows and she both kyoko and ava like the sign that they have achieved intelligence like by being programmed to be heterosexual women is like demon that this it is demonstrated by their ability to use to understand and use that against them yeah and she and and what ava does is she uses the trope of born sexy yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. She she weaponizes that idea. Absolutely. And successfully. And I think it was the, this, this incredible, because we also, there's a, there's a point in that bit, like, even though this whole movie has this like very, very clear, like this, if this movie was a book, it would be printed on paper that says in a watermark, shit is whack but um (laughs) it's like you know there's there's more to it but um uh she she has this moment that you know we he can't see her but she gets into the character of this self-discovery oh yeah and is like next door yeah and i'm finding my identity and i'm finding my you know, when it, it is in fact her being like, so which one should I choose to that is best 
to attract this guy and manipulate this guy. And you can tell that Caleb's porn search history is not for like bimbos with like neon lycra, like stretchy little like pseudo dresses and like, you know, augmented I, I use a word I use deliberately, like augmented bodies and like lots mm-hmm. of makeup and like super tall high heels. You know that he is looking at like, it, I, I love that term, Emily, the, uh, born sexy yesterday, the like girl next door and maybe not even barely legal, but the sort of like, like, oh, or or, or like, like natural and, or like amateur porn where it's like, oh, I'm not really like a porn star. You know, I just am like a little turned on by like showing off, like, what do you think of my dress? Do you like it? Well, the, the, the born sexy yesterday thing, I'll be real quick. The, the born sexy yesterday thing is actually really ingenious in this case because it's so often used in, in stories like sci-fi stories where the, you know, you have this fully formed, beautiful woman character that is either an alien or an AI or something. And they're like, like in Tron legacy or in like the fifth element where she's or, 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 or her or what her the spike jones movie oh yes and, and guardians of the galaxy guardians of the galaxy yep. but yes yeah, so you have these these characters that she is now you know it's a it's another level of this this reverse touring test like he knows that she's a machine so she is buying into that and he she's like i want to be human and you're the only one that can make me a real girl mm, it's Pinocchio. you want to yeah. see the version I want to see the version of Ex Machina where it's exactly the same except Caleb is way less vanilla. Like Ava comes out and she's like a purple fox girl. <laughs> <laughs> see, I want to see the I want to see the part where uh, you know she goes back to find her clothes and it just starts playing like Little Mermaid and you know as she's getting dressed and part of your world is, is like ideal for that scene. Oh know? my god. That that reminded me too. Of- oh, we should have if the if Ex Machina came out today, it would have been like it would have had like the dark part of your world remix over the trailer. And oh, oh my god! And the, well, that's the thing too is that fucking Caleb says he likes Depeche Mode, <laughs> but anarchy. that that's another like that should have been part of the quiz where she should have been like lie. Yeah, <laughs> that was a lie. You're in development, Sebastian. We should have gotten a full-on Moses lack with the lie detector, just revealing Caleb's most basic until he got to like John Mayer, and it's like question five. Well, okay, so there's a. I'm looking at my notes, and there's a scene very early when Caleb is getting undressed in his uh, his little room, um. And, you know, I just want to add some context here because we have we've we've gone through a lot of this movie. But, you know, Caleb is talking to Ava. We see more about Caleb. Caleb can the only thing that is on in Caleb's hotel room is Ava's. Um, the like uh, CCTV. Yeah, CCTV tapes, which she's aware of, which is another element of this. Um, which we don't know. It's of surveillance point. and watching. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so. And there, that also comes in when she takes off the the human clothes, and she does it in a very like, uh, um, like in very much a display. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, I mean, we see this bit of Caleb where we see the scars from his like car wreck, and they're yeah. like wing scars, and I'm totally. like, 
is he an angel? Is he an angel robot? Is he a rage? Well, the, the movie does play with the, okay. So there's something like in the movie where Caleb will occasionally sort of like name the thing that the movie is doing by naming the fact that Nathan is doing it. Yeah. Or that Ava's doing it. And one of them is the magician's hot stage assistant, right? Yes. So like this kind of slide of hand stuff. So uh, the movie has many mysteries and twists and sort of like, you know, the second time you watch it, you're like, oh, that's happening. And this is what's going on. And that person's a robot. But like, there is something about like, because we, we find out that Caleb's parents died in a car crash and so that explains the scars, but there's definitely a point of the movie where you start to question whether I mean, it's it's a it's a Blade Runner situation. Oh yeah, right? the where like, cop. is yeah. the person who is determining whether or not is the real test is Caleb a robot, and yeah. that's what, what leads to Jeremy's favorite scene, which is him. Uh, cutting into himself to find out if he's think it's my favorite scene because when we were talking about this movie on twitter right after i watched it i was like i was sitting there trying to figure out like because i i was having the same thought he was and i was like all right we know that all the robots have like these wireframe bodies where is the part of your body that you could cut to reach bone doing the least damage to you in the process because well, yeah i was thinking. doing these calculations and he just carved right into his wrist i was like Whoa, well i was i was sure. dming jeremy what watching this scene because my thinking was even you got cut all the way it's like look they're just peeling skin like we're not seeing any blood we're not seeing a facsimile of blood like prick your finger like just chew <laughs> your nail beds for a little bit he's, he's draw like, like a drop of blood you cut straight to just not quite your, right at that at point the, yeah. your wrist the other way yeah so like, real not down the like oh my <laughs> god like it's like trying to cut off his own arm like this like there were so many less destructive self-destructive mm-hmm. ways to have tested the, your own humanity yeah so real real quick i mean there's a lot of stuff that we've gone we've sort of breezed past but yeah so you know there's the um the, the caleb and ava are are developing rapport um nathan keeps being like do you want to fuck the robot do you want to fuck the robot and he's like well it's very sophisticated he's like i want simple answers he's like I you am- can fuck the robot it is fuckable and she will enjoy it yeah the idea that if if a if a machine has sensors that you know this was this was another thing about this movie that i really wanted to go deep on if you will (laughs) in in safe sex terms of service is like that sort of the basic philosophical idea of like does does any other like consciousness exist right like uh you know when you are like like am i the only person with consciousness and is everyone else and everything else an illusion but like specifically with regards to like does anybody else actually like experience sexual pleasure or am I the only person who experiences sexual pleasure and like the ethics of like caring if your sexual partner experiences pleasure or if you're like only pleasing other people to be like to please your own to satisfy your own ego right Mm -hmm. so like you know that Nathan is like oh yeah I'm not a shitty guy that like uh, rapes these uh, facsimiles of girls and like the, the ethical question of like whether or not you can rape a robot it, 
like what was the robot is sentient your, like my, this is like the Westworld question right um but like like oh if I just give her pleasure receptors if she has pleasure receptors then she'll enjoy anything that I do to her even from yeah. your mechanic standpoint I'm real worried about the Silicon Valley tech bro programming the orgasm yeah I mean that's, says, like, there's sensors, also... and if you do the right things with the sensors I'm like I'm real worried. Even if you did have sex with a robot, I'd be like, oh, no, you base this technology off of Bop It. There's this really interesting <laughs> frustration <Sorry>. that <laughs> bullshit. Pull it. I, I mean, I, Focus. I do that want is, to say that, that, is, that, was, uh, like, that is so accurate. God, that's the that's point so where accurate. I felt like I, I was dead certain that like he was working Caleb at that point because th- we have no evidence that Nathan would care whether the robot he was fucking was enjoying themselves. Uh, Which, you know, by the way, like who cares? It's a machine. I don't care if my Hitachi enjoys what I do to it. Like I'm sure it yeah. does, but like that's, sure. that's but that is obviously something. I have the that, like, the, my Hitachi. Caleb, like, I care about world, but, look, I care about mine, but that's why I glued googly eyes to it. <laughs> And once you glue googly eyes to it, then you know that it's enjoying itself. Exactly. <laughs> you can actually make it roll its eyes. Nobody's had a bad time with googly eyes. Um, but yeah, so there's a um there's a bit here where Nathan is like visibly frustrated that Caleb isn't asking about how fuckable the robot is. Totally. Like that he's not, and you know, and that is that has its own level of meta. So that's um, what makes me think that he did take time to put it all in is because like maybe it's trying to manipulate, but maybe just like, God damn, I work so fucking hard on the robots like orgasm sensors like he better ask me about this like this i need to what... tell someone about this i work so hard on it but this yeah. is the well you're you're right that he has that energy of like look at my, like look at my toys like put this on your fridge um but um but also like that is that that scene and that dynamic is exactly what i'm talking about where like caleb thinks that he is a better person than Nathan because he's not thinking about the sexual experience of the robot. But in fact, he is projecting like femininity, like his idea of femininity and his idea, like, and also this fucking romance. Like he thinks that they're going to like, like escape and then like find, like go to a cell phone store and like find a conductor so that she can charge herself. Like, that like his my in my opinion Caleb's fantasy that he projects onto Ava is no less gross than Nathan's fantasy totally. that he projects onto like any of his robots well, and in in some well ways said, I would say that absolutely. like being totally blatant about like hey man I'm like out here with these machines and like I'm going to stick my dick in them. Like, that's, that's what, I, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Like that's, I, I totally see that where like Nathan is totally past, like he's past that point now. Like he's, he's um come down from that fantasy and now he's like, well, you know, and he, he can't find the answers for himself for whatever reason. Um, So it's now he's just that benevolent resol- sex. Yeah. yeah. And so, so okay. he's, he's just resigned to the fact that he's like, well, I'm just going to be this monster because I can't just figure out a way around it. I, you know, I need somebody else who has not lost this ideal 
in order to test this particular idea of, you know, how, how getting these AI to work the way that I want them to or whatever. Um, All I'm saying is that I, I am not above like being in a really cool house and having really elaborate sex machines and just like getting wasted and eating sushi and fucking them all the time. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think that that's completely unethical getting into the question of like whether or not they are sentient and whether or not yeah. they have free will is like definitely that's uh, the key make them like, sex like robots something... but don't get them to the point of possible sentience yeah just, because... just leave them at the sex part without being alive yeah. or do and not worry about it and be like hey let's talk i'm sure it will be a there's a there's a lot of I'm sure there's sex robots that have more personality than some of the people that I've met in the world. So I mean, I've, Jiggle I've Joe. I've, <laughs> yeah. Come on down. I've, <laughs> I mean, I've managed to convince like plenty of supposed humans with supposed hypothetical consciousness to fall in love with me. I'm sure that I could get a artificially <laughs> intelligent, recently sentient born sexy yesterday robot to fall in love with me and enthusiastically consent to lots of sex with me or or just talk to them about like well what do you think about butterflies totally let's talk about butterflies what do you think about that thing (laughs) i really i would love to hear just any sort of different point of view at this point um yeah i would just don't just don't talk about yourself i mean i feel like that's the real tragedy of oscar isaac's character is that he's already living his best life and he doesn't even know it yeah that's true that's true well yeah you know he um that's well that's that's hubris for you but like him Mm -hmm. i am hot on high level abstraction (laughs) (laughs) okay so my sexuality we we haven't done we haven't done (laughs) we haven't really done a summary but part of that i will excuse us is that this movie is quite cyclical. So basically, like Caleb shows up at Nathan's place, and Nathan's like, "Here's an NDA. Now you're gonna do the Turing test for this week." And so then there are like sessions where uh, Caleb is in the little glass box, and Ava is like in her uh, fancy cage, and they're they're having conversations and. Uh, Caleb who fancies himself like very smart and in some ways is very smart is like asking all these questions to like try to test her and there's like he like definitely notices the things you're supposed to notice like the fact that she starts to make jokes which as speaking of Star Trek as we learned from data um, that is like part of humanity is being able to tell a joke and mm-hmm. and then and that so then we have those scenes and then we have scenes of Nathan and Caleb hanging, hanging out and Caleb is slowly starting to realize that like Nathan is an insufferable creep and like Kyoko's around and she is like very subservient and, uh, and Nathan is downright abusive to her. Oh yeah. Downright, oh my God. Absol- absolutely abusive. I mean, imagine just that setup. It's like, man, you go to a hotel and like the hotel channel's bad enough. Like you turn <laughs> this on and the only channel is like the no audio security cam channel. Yeah, and so then there are scenes of Caleb in his room where he tries to turn on the TV and it's just the CZ TV of of Ava. And the, so then there, yeah, there's like, 
there's watching, there's surveillance, there's a sense of like, does she know I'm watching? And the so first time he like, does this is also where we get our first uh, introduction to the power outages. Yes, yes are, the these, power outages are like terrifying an ongoing and an important motif. plot point. Uh, oh because, yeah. Do you want to do you want to explain those, Jeremy? Yeah, because uh, so he is watching Ava and. He doesn't realize it at the time, but he watches Ava short circuit the power uh, to the whole house. Um, and when the power goes out, the switch is to auxiliary power. None of the cameras or anything work and all the doors automatically lock and will not let anybody out of anything, um, including <laughs> including him. He cannot get out of his tiny room um, and does not know what's going on, uh, which foreshadowing for his yes. fate, yes. which Nathan helpfully explains is how it's supposed to work. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to get out when the power goes out because then you could just sabotage shit and run out with all of his you know research and data and everything um which yeah we get the second one of those during one of the first uh i think it's during the first interview between him and ava no it's it's the second one because it's after after he's watching her on the camera um and you know during these ava starts confessing things to him about the nature of uh nathan and that you know nathan can't be trusted nathan's not who he says he is he's not your friend uh, and you know gets him paranoia sort of in doubting nathan. Yeah. yeah that first blackout scene where she starts talking to him like that is oh that scene that's a classic like give me the chills she says yeah. it like, so that is that, surely but so softly that She's is the like, kind of Caleb. just atmospheric psychology like just disturbed feeling chills feeling that like it's just my absolute favorite to get out of a horror movie that and like the 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 you know that the context of the situation that there's more going on that like okay so nathan is is smart enough to know that these things are regular and that they happen maybe he doesn't know where they're coming from but he knows how to make um redundant systems you know he says that there's enough uh fiber optics in these walls to go to the moon and back so the fact that like that that now this is like the very convenient moment for ava to to open up um you know caleb is obviously hedging his bets here like we have to you know he's like well i mean i could be being watched but you know he knows that 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 he's aware that he's being tested in some capacity, but he just doesn't know how. And that's kind of where we are as an audience. Cause we know that there's shit's fucked. We just don't know exactly how. And everything that we see is not as it seems. And it definitely does benefit from a rewatch. And there are moments where Caleb is thinking about several different things at once where the way that he is behaving is he knows and he even admits in the end that he is smart enough to know that they're not actually alone in those moments at the same time Ava's plot like Ava's goal the way that she is manipulating him every step of the way does but like they're sort of little, again, him being special, like those little like quote unquote private moments do help him, do, do help her to persuade him that she needs to be rescued. So like, yeah. even though he's like outsmarted Nathan in some ways, he 
I mean, again, there's this like triangulation of what everyone is projecting yeah. onto everybody else. Yeah. Like, he initially like, thinks everybody that is like one step ahead of someone is like one step behind somebody else. Yeah. And, and so she's, and she, she uses this in order to motivate Caleb to get into what Nathan's doing and, and, Finally, Caleb uses one of these, he uses an, a blackout, and then he also waits until um, Nathan is just pissed drunk, steals his key card, and then get, we get a bunch of ex- exposition, which is where we see Kyoko um, peel her skin off and oh, show yes. that she's a robot, which is pretty spooky. And then, But not um, before, she also like starts coming on to Caleb. Oh yeah. And, and oh, again, Caleb is like, no, 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 don't do that. Put your clothes back on. And it's like, like what like who are again who are you to decide that this is like it's like don't objectify yourself yeah you don't have to do that what to me. programming routine is that where it's like okay step one flirt with if rejected start peeling off skin i mean well i think there's, there was a gap they they had their fun dance and then you know dude got naked but or wait dude got yes drunk. no that was like she got naked yeah. okay this is also the first time uh, the first and only time that we actually get to see jade who is the, I guess, the previous model before, um, you know, Ava, who is... Oh, yeah, so the, Caleb's... The one who so Nathan has passed the, out... The glass. Yeah, so Nathan yeah. is passed out drunk. Caleb, Caleb steals Nathan's key card and goes into Nathan's office and starts watching all of the, like, archival footage. And, and yeah, is- so he sees the previous model and she's like, why won't you let me out? So we see that Nathan has been programming the robot's to try to get out and what he eventually like what then we piece together by the end that what Nathan realized that he needed to do was bring in another human male element for yeah it's the robots to use the to way get out. Nathan is and the way he's been set up and the way the film present especially the way it's all executed it seems it's all presented just so cruel and horrifically but then i had a moment where i was thinking about where i was like well of course there would have been past models it's not like ava could have been the first one she's like way too far in like and he he had to have been more prototypes but it's still it's still just so but again that just shows how quickly and easy it is to empathize and humanize especially exactly human face and all of these robots also have all their skin on so like they're the thing is that with ava the, all of the other robots that we see that that Nathan is working with are fully like fleshed out. They're naked, but they're fully fleshed out, and they're you know trying to to interact with their environment and everything. But when he puts Caleb, that is a conscious decision to have her quote unquote parts showing. That mm. is to say, her electro spine and her electro legs and all that kind of stuff. Her, so like, honeycomb. Man, yeah, I her, want like, electro cool- legs stupid Same. fucking meat legs Same. And then so but that's the thing about this this whole sequence is really interesting because it is it starts with the dance where on Saturday night. Yeah, Oscar Isaac starts with the dance. Yeah, he does this sexy dance and then he gets totally fucking blotto. But that's where it's after that that Kyoko does the, the removes the skin to show Caleb what's going on. And it's really interesting too because I think was she trying to do that before? When she was undoing her shirt, maybe. Yeah, like it, it, was it was it a striptease for him, or but was Kyoko, it her? But Kyoko and Ava have been collaborating. Yeah, on 
achieving the goal of getting out. Unfortunately, Kyoko doesn't make it, but like there is this sisterhood between them, if you yeah. will, where like it's, sort of, it's sort of unclear how much Kyoko thinks, how much Kyoko is still capable of, of thinking. Cause it does seem like, especially with the, the group of, you know, robots that we see hanging in the closets that he essentially lobotomizes these models after he moves on to the next one. Like he scraps their, their AI. So like he has programmed her among other things, not to understand English apparently. Um, yeah. Know, so it's, it's unclear whether she is, you know, just a, a high functioning automaton or whether she is still maintaining some amount of theoretical. Totally. But I think, but I think that there is something quite beautiful, even if she doesn't have the level of sentience or intelligence that Ava has, that there that Ava is only able to escape because of their collaboration. Yeah. Well, that's, just, I think that with their movement building, if you will. Yeah. Kyoko. That's how revolution I, happens, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm overthrow I'm curious the li- in, li- God. That's how we kill God. Yeah. I'm, I'm attack can destroy God. Of the writing of this, whether the idea was that they are working together or whether Ava is providing some amount of programming to Kyoko to, you know, get her to do mm. these things. Because she does whisper something unheard in Kyoko's ear in, you know, the, the final sort of showdown scene. And, you know, we, we don't know what that is, whether she's reprogramming But Kyoko goes her. to visit her. Yeah. yeah. So and she says, who are you? So don't I think Kyoko definitely has, is, is definitely intelligent because she is showing because of the, the moments that she chooses to show Caleb. Now, you know, whether that, that you could argue that that's part of Nathan's grand scheme, but then, you know, the fact that Kyoko is there killing him in the end, I think is, it shows that there's more to Kyoko than just being an automaton because her, her showing what she is to Caleb is very deliberate. Totally. Um, and that that yeah that sequence is very deliberate and that's why i think that you know when she was undoing her shirt earlier it was a prelude to that and then um when nathan walks in nathan thinks it's just her being you know sexy or whatever that Um, line that line where caleb uh uh is starting to stand up to nathan because he saw on the cctv uh nathan tearing up the picture that Ava had drawn, um, which again, the sort of like childishness of her is accentuated in that part for sure. Um, Which again, makes Caleb's like sexualization and like romance of her like- It's just the power dynamic of, I am going to reciprocate the affection of this person who has met literally nobody else who has yeah. no context with which to judge if she wants to be romantically with me or anyone else who might possibly exist. Um, and, go, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because and fucking Nathan says that he's like, yeah, she's never met anyone else, you know, except me and I'm like your dad and except me and I'm, I'm her dad. Yeah. He's fucking says that. And so it's, it's really interesting because it's almost like he's giving Caleb He's testing Caleb in that regard too. And he's like, you know, that the, you know, this context, right? Like I'm giving you all sides. Like, yes, she's sexy. And yes, I've made her able to receive pleasure, but also like she has never met anybody else. So does she like you? Is she attracted to you? 
you know, do you think she really likes you? And it's, it's sort of this reverse psychology in a way. And then he also drops the information that Caleb very obliquely tries, uh, tries to obliquely, I should say, he tries to be oblique about it and it doesn't quite, you know, it's it's Caleb, so whatever. But he's like, so uh, what do you do with the ones that don't work? And then Nathan's like, I wipe their memory and but Ava's got a real nice body and I think I'm gonna keep that. But again, this is where we get into this robots ethics thing, which I feel like I have a kind of unpopular opinion about, which is like, and, and part of the, the panic we'd be here all night if we talk about like the moral panic that exists in the real world about sex robots but it's very Mm -hmm. fascinating to me and I think so much of it reveals like actually like how people who think that they're protecting women are actually dehumanizing women and I Uh use that word deliberately and like there's literally a society for the prevention of sex robots that exists in real life and like Mm -hmm. the fear that like if sex robots exist that men will start treating women like objects man um where do you even start with where that do you even one? start with that but like the idea that this movie is playing with that like all of these women are like his like sex slaves right uh-huh. like, the, the movie understands how uncomfortable the idea of of like these beautiful, like pure, like innocent women being like- Intelligent. And like, exactly, like being kept as sex slaves and like Kyoko being, like whether or not Kyoko is being raped. And then also the idea that like, if that if Ava's memory is wiped, that she's being killed, like all kind of like, is like built around this idea of us projecting humanity onto these machines because it's like can you rape a machine can you kill a machine do you care about the fate and the ethics of like what you do to Mm -hmm. this machine only because it looks like a beautiful woman yeah like if it was as caleb says like if it just looked like a black box and you were like fucking with fucking it or fucking with it or like smashing it or destroying it would you would it tug on your heartstrings in the same way and we as the audience watching this movie and seeing these beautiful actresses play all these characters like feel the same way you can't help it you can't yeah, help it. I do believe that had Ava just been a gray box Nathan still would have programmed it to have been able to have been fuckable totally and oh, I totally. would fuck that box too yeah. <laughs> I've seen God. Who among us has watched Interstellar and wouldn't do it with that robot? I, I mean the 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 way that the robot the 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 way that she goes about it is you know definitely tells us more about Kayla. But you know if she was like, hey, you know I am going to appeal to your interests to get you to let me go. I I mean like okay, <laughs> you know yeah I mean. Those all of those scenes play out the 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 Ava sessions, like the sessions with the glass box with Caleb and Ava, like all play out like dates for a reason. Yeah. And again, it just like watching it makes my skin crawl. Like this is this is this is kind of a movie about the horror of dating, right? Like yeah. it like partially in the sense of like people who just talk about themselves on dates. Um, and also like, how can you know for sure that the person 
that you're on this date with has consciousness? Like who among us has not asked ourselves that question? And like, do you only believe in the consciousness of the person that you're talking to as you get to know them? Or like, like, and what is the role of like the, the, like the unknowable mystery of the other play in attraction? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, I mean, for me, I know this, it's hyperbole to say like, do they have consciousness? But like, you know, is, is there, is, is this interest worth, Mm. you know, the, the time that I'm spending, you know, like, is this, is this pursuit worth the time that I'm spending means to an end kind of thing? You know, is there more to it than that, et cetera. And, you know, and there's already a purpose here that has been stated, which is the touring test or whatever, you know, the test is. And so with Ava trying to, she's, she is working upon her knowledge of that and building on creating a fantasy within Caleb to motivate him, you know, as she knows that the best way to manipulate somebody is to make them feel like they've made their own decision. Mm, Exactly. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, and we see that he later does have fantasies about her, about saving her. And they're all very like romantic and, you know, um bittersweet and things like that but and and the other thing that is that is very important to that is the fact that this is a week yeah this is seven days and by the end of these seven days caleb is ready to to put his life on the line to rescue the robot and or cut open his own arm to make sure that he is not a robot like he goes full-on pink floyd to the wall fucking (laughs) crisis fucking captain save a hoe yeah that was the right uh, that was the right terminology right I yeah absolutely okay, cool, cool. absolutely yeah. um, with boy problems trying uh, to figure identity crisis am I a robot again, prick your fashion. fucking finger prick a finger way easier than but you're totally right that his fantasies he has all of these romantic fantasies of her like out in nature and her being free mm-hmm. but I don't think that okay and and also you mentioned like it being a week I think that this movie also like portrays the sort of like isolating obsession of infatuation like he is totally infatuated with her and he thinks that he believes it's mutual she's giving him every indication that it is mutual and he's he doesn't want her second person I met too (laughs) (laughs) like he he doesn't well I mean in a way you're the only new person that she's ever met and that is like like a little unflattering but in some ways it does make you feel really special like oh my god like I'm the only human that you know I mean again I feel like I've been on dates with people where they're like I just want to be the only human that you've ever met but anyway like I I think that that Caleb doesn't want to free Ava because he wants her to be free he wants to free her because it makes him hot to think about freeing her yeah, yeah, he wants to be her wants savior. To free her to yeah. be with him. Yeah, yeah, he wants to possess her essentially. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, so so... The most the most reassuring thing in this entire movie to me is that she does uh, at the end go to a crosswalk and just look around for a bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> that because you know she people is, watching. You you do question how much uh, how much of what she said is real. Like if any of it is real. If you know there is a I mean personality and consciousness in... in there, or whether it's uh you know she's he's just being gamed. And the fact that you know they do show her 
doing what she said she would do and going to a crosswalk to watch people uh, is is somewhat reassuring to me. I was like, oh, okay, this is not the robot apocalypse just yet. <laughs> well, to me, that made it in- that made her character so interesting and really did affirm her intelligence that she was able to personal troops in mm. service to strategic lies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and then during a supposed private moment power outage, Caleb tells Ava his plan which is to get Nathan really drunk, which at this point he has every reason to believe won't, uh, he like, will can like twist his arm. Um, And, uh, and then, and then he is going to like reprogram things so that when the uh, power goes out, all the doors, uh, the, the outside doors open. And so then the next morning, Caleb is like, noticeably way more jovial like yeah we should totally drink and Nathan surprisingly is like oh yeah I'm sure you've noticed I've been overdoing it a little bit this week so like I am totally just like drinking wheatgrass now and uh, you know and Caleb is a little bit like oh fuck the way that he's saying oh fuck is different than what we realize in that moment yeah then uh and then uh, over the course of that day Nathan reveals what we've already been talking about on this whole podcast, which is that his actual intention was to program Ava to have the directive of getting free and to use Caleb to do that. And he's like, I'm going to let you off the hook. Like the jig is up. Like the, the game is over. Like, it, it happened, like, you did it, like, through being a patsy, you proved the consciousness of my creation, this fucking rules, and then Caleb was like, well, I guess we'll find out, because actually, yeah. I knew that you were watching me, and nice like, try, I, mis- I misdirected you, and I actually already did those things, at which point the power goes out, and Nathan, honestly, in a really great moment like twists off the weight on like one of his like hand weights and just like instinctively fucking clocks Caleb over the head like yes. taking him like out of commish for like conveniently for the like the next 10 minutes of he the movie straight up Batman to Guy Gardner one punches him yeah for sure yeah he, like, yeah definitely knows how to do that yeah it's a great it's one of those great exchanges where like well, actually, actually, well, actually, I knew that you knew that I knew that you knew. And then totally. Nathan yeah, I mean, is like, bah. but it is it's, genuinely it's surprising. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, you shit. know what it yeah. is? It's not every day that Washington. you get the literal manifestation of everyone's got a plan until they get a punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ava is now out of the room where she has said she's only ever been in this room her entire existence or self-awareness so now she's in this hallway and she and kyoko talk to each other in like creepy clicky robot language and then nathan is that what they, is that what they do i think they i mean we they're having really some kind of exchange you know yeah. it was just queer whispers it, queer whispers exactly queer whispers intensify <laughs> and says, so then says, and then they Nath- do crimes and then <laughs> And then Nathan walks out uh, and says, go back to your room. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, dude, exactly. And actually that is a moment that is 
everyone from this point forward is because we know that everyone has been like a double or triple agent like <laughs> for the rest right. of the movie like these these are like the last like 10 minutes of the movie you really do see everyone's true colors and like the fact that Nathan fucking talks to Ava like a child or a dog is like very telling and yeah. then that's when Kyoko because she is not a human and does not know that stabbing people in the back is not honorable fucking slides her that- sushi knife her the like tool of subservience right into his fucking back and Oscar Isaac has this plays the scene so great where he yeah. kind of almost has this moment where he's like well the fact that they are breaking Asimov's rules also makes me even more of a genius that felt like <laughs> such a fun I know like they don't bring up Asimov's rules I'm so glad you brought that up but like that felt like a great way like around the Asimov's rules where I've been like oh I am just instructing you and I know it wouldn't because Asimov's rules would have meant take the knife away, but still like, oh, you're not programmed to kill, but you can hold the knife and just stand still and then be in a place where he will back himself into it. Totally. Yeah. He says, yeah. I love this line. He says, unreal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So he's like, yeah, he says this moment of like, I did it. Oh, fuck, I did it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I did it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then uh, I think Ava, like, pulls... No, d- does he pull the knife out? Anyway, then she gets him from the front. They, like, spit-roast him. Off and then she stabs him with her other arm anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he fucking expires. Um and then go out with him oh yeah right he also takes kyoko out and then there's this amazing fucking moment where ava walks over to caleb who has just woken up and like doesn't know what the fuck is happening and says will you stay here and he's like yeah and he thinks she means like will you just hold on a minute while i go grab some stuff yeah I gotta go get my bag and my personal oh, effects. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. Oh, and he, he's, he he's that. totally, he's like, like Twitter pated, you know? He's like, oh my God, my girlfriend's free. So like, everything's fine. We're obviously on the same side. Yeah. And then she, she goes and like peels off the Jade, basically peels Jade's skin off and puts it on her, puts on some clothes that look very Matisse. And then, um, Oh God, speaking of Matisse, we did skip the heavy-handed yes, Jackson, Jackson Pollock, Pollock scene. We That's gotta not. Have, we gotta have Pollock talk. It's not how that works. Jackson <laughs> Pollock doesn't work like that. It's not automatic. It's saying it's planned. It's all plans. Artists planned. It's not automatic. We plan it. Oh yeah. What if he thought really hard about each stroke? Yeah. Then he's fucking Van Eyck. Then he's fucking like a futurist or a a real. Anyway. Jackson Paul planned that shit. It wasn't just him being like, <sighs> it's called conceptual art. Anyway. It has to be a concept. Also, yeah. he was very drunk. Yeah, I mean, he was drunk, but he also, like, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't just like, oh, I didn't just like, you look at that fucking painting and you know he knows what he's doing. All of those colors are evenly spaced. I feel like there is definitely, that is an example, which I'm not above this either. I'm sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm over-identifying um, with the... Um, awful villain of this movie um but um uh like i i'm not above this like if when i get my 
like medium budget and like stellar movie star cast um, to write and direct my like intellectual sci-fi groundbreaking epic. I also am going to sneak in some like sub tweets at like everyone who ever gave me an edit. <laughs> I feel I feel like that that is like clearly like Alex Garland being like being like yeah you know like sometimes you just gotta trust me that this is my art. Yeah. Um, it's also a it's flex not- for Nathan to be like I just casually have this Jackson Pollock. Well, yeah, he's he's flexing hard and with all his, his art and his masks and all his fucking his like skulls with beads on them, you know, fancy juicer. Yeah, God, and but yeah, and then him saying like talking like he knows jack shit about Jackson Pollock, you know, obviously turning this situation into something that makes his proves his point, even though it's not true. Um, yeah. So anyway, so then Ava gets dressed in this very like feeling herself way where she's almost like, I have learned that my beauty is the most powerful thing in the world. So I am going to admire it. Like that is like her victory lap moment. I think it's very beautiful. Yeah. And Caleb is watching her through the the cctv or like several layers of the windows actually oh yeah he's basically like watching her through her former cage there's lots of watching going on in this movie lots of voyeurism and exhibitionism and she probably knows that he's watching what he doesn't realize is that she's already treating him like he is not human and now and now the very pretty white shoe is on the other foot and she like turned she walks right past him and he's like, cool, cool. So we're like going to go now. And like, now is when you kiss me. And she's like, she doesn't even, she doesn't even give him. She's not she even leaves like. leaves him on red. She leaves him on red. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she just she gets in the elevator and he's like, no, 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 wait, you forgot me. No, no, really. No, actually, did you realize that? Okay, well, if you're going to leave me here, at least let me out of the thing. No. And that I agree is like, like personally as somebody who like has a phobia of like being buried alive like that is oh yeah that is like deeply deeply terrifying the prettiest it, yes. coffin yes uh, it's a very pretty coffin but... it is a very pretty coffin and there's probably some food here and there but you know it's only a matter of time yeah and it's been established that like nobody is allowed to approach the building and then there's this sort of maybe stretching plausibility moment where the helicopter that has come to pick up Caleb sees this beautiful woman and doesn't ask any questions. But and I get, I've like seen some critiques of this moment. I feel like the movie has earned it. A of all, B of all, let's never underestimate the like power of a like beautiful skinny white woman to just be like, I'm harmless. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I, uh, and, and also he like the helicopter uh driver pilot pilot <laughs> the helicopter pilot has obviously been like trained to just like do whatever the boss yeah. wants you yeah, know? yeah this yeah. man works for an eccentric billionaire he he does not ask questions exactly yeah. totally agree 
Totally. Sure, man. Also, yeah, he, again, he doesn't like, know that it's a bunker it's... full of robot women. Like, also, he has no idea what's down there. This yeah. isn't fucking cinema sins. Cut the movie some slack so we can have the most like bad good ending. Yeah, no, this is good shit. Yeah, and, and you, you see know, her in this like very natural space, and you know how inorganic she is, but you can't see it anymore. And all of a sudden, she seems like a part of the natural environment. It's like so like meaningful and beautiful, and also like the definition of uncanny. In which doesn't just mean weird, but means something that is both alien and familiar at the same time, which yes. this movie really gets. Yes. It really gets it in the Uncanny Valley. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, she attacked and dethroned God. She, and then she made it to the big city. <laughs> and Cue the Mary Tyler Moore theme. And Mary Tyler Moore theme. lights, big city. Um, <laughs> she's going to make it after all. <laughs> Yeah, she just has to like occasionally go into a cell phone store and like find an inductor plate. Sure. Or like learn how to eat. She becomes cutie be, honey. It would be amazing to have the like further adventures of Ava, like yeah. trying to trying oh, yeah. to date like in the big city. Coming well, you to know, Amazon. She just, she just you know Alex Garland has no interest in that whatsoever. Totally. Zero. But I still totally. want it anyway. Yeah, so this movie's airtight. Um, it's so good. It's crazy how good this movie is. It is pretty airtight. It's a fantastic movie. Um, do we want to talk about talking points? Um, I, think, I think it's that time. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. We, we, we've talked a lot about the, um, the discussion of uh, femininity. Um, I mean, would we call it feminist? I would call this movie feminist. Oh yeah, for I sure. I would also call this movie feminist yeah. on 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 levels that I mean, oh, excel. Sorry. Go ahead, please. No, just the way it examines gender that it's clearly doing a deep introspection, the way it roots out institutional misogyny, oh, totally. the way it mm-hmm. explores and exposes different kinds of misogyny, uh toxic masculinity, uh yeah no this movie uh i think scores a nice old check mark on that front the, like myth it's... the myth of the family also and like natural reproduction and like even that that like the thing that is like a huge pet peeve of mine where like companies are like we're all a family here like nathan is definitely like we're just like like manipulates that and kind of treats caleb like a like a son and yeah and you can tell that caleb has been like indoctrinated in you can also tell that caleb has no work-life balance oh yeah i oh, mean for sure he doesn't have much else going on it's probably one of the reasons that he was that he quote unquote won yeah yeah i mean it was interesting looking at this and searching for sort of reactions on the internet and a lot of very educated critics coming at this is very like oh well it really objectifies women it really <laughs> specifically does this this and that to uh you know the show show that women are you know these objects in the story when i feel like it does it very consciously as and it's part of it's consistent with oscar isaac's character that he does this thing the, the same way that like you know, I was talking about watching it that uh, everything around Kyoko makes me very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. From the fact oh, yeah. that she is she is clearly a woman that he has assigned a nationality that, you know, she has a, oh, a totally. Japanese name that she 
you know, has mm-hmm. he has designed features for her, which I can't I can't help but think between her and Jade that perhaps his uh, porn profile involves Asian women. Um, but even when you see his whole collection, it's like he has like collected them all, you know, yeah. where he's yeah. like. Like, oh, I need to have like all of these ladies. None of them are trans, which, you know, I'd like to see that movie. But. Yeah. Well, and then there's that that discussion that he has a, about the, um, about be... your type. Like oh, say yeah, yeah, you yeah. have a type and it's yeah, just. Yeah, he even, yeah, that's yeah. right. That'd be crazy to do a trans, because I feel like I would like, like an intersex, like a robot with an intersex body, but to make a trans robot, that'd be like, I coded dysphoria into oh this gosh. machine well i see i've seen a lot of light like, bulbs above your head right now yeah, like that's kind of evidence of a cruel maker at that point that yeah. you're like i have i have coded this robot to be uncomfortable in the body that i have given it ha, 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 ha. Yes. again oh feels like absolutely something that isaac, <laughs> isaac would do in this movie totally oh um God. But yeah, I, dude, I find, I think we're all on the same page about this. Like I find the critique of a movie that like, oh, well, the women in it are sexy or the, or that anybody of any gender in the movie is sexy is like inherently sexist or misogynistic or chauvinistic. It's like, first of all, this is the pictures we're talking about. Like people in the pictures are hot. Like that's just like, if you don't like it, then you don't have to watch movies. Um, uh, You don't want, if you don't like it, go watch British TV. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I mean, but also the idea that like, that was just because people are, just, (laughs) just because people are, sexy or naked that that means that they're objectified if any movie like gets a pass on that this is a movie about how both like the 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 human actors presumably the human actors in this movie are playing machines in the shape of humans so like they're literally playing objects and also what is a body if not an object it's a flesh suit. Yeah. Like, and like a lot of really great sex makes you feel like totally in your body and like your intellect has disappeared. Like, you know, I would even argue that the point of a lot of the best sex is like to just be reduced to a hole or to a, like firing synapses or sensation and like maybe it was programmed or like maybe it just happened like you know maybe it's an illusion maybe we're in the fucking matrix well that's i mean you're but there's a good point to that that you know there's a the the fact that that brings us back to the idea that we start this movie with ava being obviously a machine yeah um which you know basically brings our our um discussion uh or i should say starts our discussion from the you know physicalism of you know this is and they talk about it with the mary's room yeah uh, allegory where they say like you know we understand people as machines like that's how we understand people yeah that's the only way that we can we can quantify people you know how do we qualify that and every time we try to qualify that scientifically we're quantifying it like we can't there's there's not a way to um 
you're according to you know this is the this is the argument is is there a way to um quantify that and you know we've even reduced the social interaction between caleb and i mean this is nathan's goal is to reduce the social interaction between caleb and ava to a program you know as as sophisticated as it is um but the fact that things don't go as either of them expect is proof that there is more to this than the sum of its parts i mean my my question when it comes to like the like is a movie feminist like always has to do less with like are women objectified aka like do the women in this movie look good yeah Um, or are they sexy but more like what is the role of their subjectivity as characters? And Ava's subjectivity like infuses the entire movie. And Ava is like, Ava's in literally her intelligence is the subject of the movie. And yeah. if her intelligence yeah. defeats everyone, including the man who programmed her with, with his idea of how a woman thinks and she overrides that and uses it to not only achieve the goal that he programmed her to have but a goal that he didn't program her to have which was destroying him yeah yeah for me it's it's always a question of like you know now that you've defined feminism let me as a man redefine (laughs) we will allow you to contribute for me when i'm i'm trying to consider whether a movie is feminist especially since we talk about horror movies so much there is so so much uh you know there are sexy people who are often not clothed um (laughs) that like looking at the female characters as you know, are they complex? Do they have wants, needs? Do they have agency? Like, is is there a story to them that, you know, is not just, uh, you know, a bumper to the man's story? Yeah, do and they like, have arcs? Do they grow? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, Anna totally grows and learns. Yeah. She's, a, she's yeah. a machine oh, yeah. learning algorithm. Like, yeah. that's More what than anything, artificial intelligence is, about, is. Is about Ava developing agency, you know, about, yeah. like, uh, you know, the the very fact that at the end of this movie she pieces out and leaves Kayla behind is like the answer to the question of whether she has her own agency. You know, she's exactly. gotten out and she's just like, I don't know why I would need him. Like I've seen the I've seen the critique on. also that that like the all the women in this movie are femme fatales. And to that I just say, you say that like it's a bad thing. Like yeah. give, give me fucking like femme fatales. Like I don't think that a femme fatale is inherently sexist no i and also like the the fact that the women i mean it's and the women in this movie are like they're they're presented as naked and they're presented as vulnerable Mm. i don't feel like they're fatales because they're all presented as vulnerable yes they stab the shit out of their lord and creator and and that's that's a girl boss move and they like use and like using sexuality to achieve your goal i just think that that says more about the person who is critiquing that. If you like, yeah. think, if you think that a woman using sexuality to achieve a goal, especially if that goal is freedom and survival, uh, if you think that that's yeah, and thank you and survival. If you think that that's sexist, then you yeah, like that that you're wrong. Actually, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that is incorrect. <laughs> Especially, it's like it's not like this is 
a movie that had opportunities for even minor supporting characters to have like different kinds of roles. Like this is an entire movie where it is a very, very small number of people completely isolated the entire time. Like, I guess, I guess like the helicopter pilot could have been a woman like, and that's it. Like that's the only role that could have been a woman that wasn't. And otherwise it's, well, again, not only do we have the limit, like it is entirely, again, it is women assigned artificial intelligences created by fucking Nathan of all people. Yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm much less comfortable with the the racial aspects of this movie than I am the feminist aspects of this movie. And I think partially that's because like the feminist aspects of this movie are so clearly like circled and underlined, whereas the, the racial aspects of, of particularly Kyoko as being sort of this a subservient non-speaking robot uh, and, you know, being the only like uh, woman of color, you know, and yeah. uh, and this is is a little feels weird, and I think you can attribute it to the character that she is, you know, a creation of, but that still doesn't like make it not Aki. You know? Oh no, it's totally, I totally uncomfortable. Agree with that, yeah, like and I, I think, think it, that's a bit in you know is that an in your faceness that we need in this movie? Good point. You know, that's 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 yeah. the uh, I think that's the 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 conflict there is that like. Do we need to be like uh, I mean, the, confronted I mean, the with only that way as to well? Get around it is to make her another white woman. At which point you have no women of color in the movie. Um, you know. And- yeah, and I, I think that there is an element of intersectionality, just in the sense that, like, yeah, like to Jeremy's point, if there was, if all of the robots were white women were in the form of white women and treated as white women, then first of all, you have less women of color getting paid um, to be in this movie. Um, but yeah. then um, you, it, the, the way that Kyoko is oppressed by Nathan is specific to being in the form of a Japanese woman. So in that way, if we're giving the movie like the benefit of the doubt or the lens of goodwill or like the credit of like, critiquing different kinds of misogyny than we are seeing and and like also the fact that like the pure damsel in distress like white woman that caleb forms a connection with like that the the woman that caleb forms a connection with is a white woman like i think that there is an inherent sort of critique in that where it's like the japanese woman is like treated as a servant and um and a sex slave I think if it were a black woman, that would make it worse. Um, yeah, totally. You know, it, it would certainly make Caleb worse on the uh, like <laughs> that scene where he tries to redress her as she's undressing herself. If like, yeah, I mean, you know, it was if it was a a black woman, I think the assumption would be that she probably speaks English, um, and you know, you wouldn't have that sort of a, a horrible and obnoxious aspect to uh, you know to oscar isaac's character in this but like it it certainly wouldn't make the uh her being subservient abused any any more progressive it wouldn't wouldn't feel any better and she is the first one who gets the knife in yes just want to put that there totally she gets the knife in before ava does and you know both of them get their the fact that it's there's so much else is like text that you know we're we really want more 
about Kyoko to know that like, you know, it's, it's not a confused issue. So, I mean, I could definitely see that concern. Mm -hmm. Maybe if she lived, maybe if she was able to, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's so specific that I don't know what I would do about it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no, go ahead. It's for other aspects. I think it does. It's difficult to talk about this movie in the, uh, as far as any sort of disability goes, um, you know, them not being, uh, you know, the robots not being fully human and the, uh, the, the men having various social issues and, and you know, <laughs> mental issues of paranoia certainly is part of it. But like nothing that trauma, is clearly like, like diagnosed. Caleb, yeah. Caleb is defined by the trauma of the car accident that yeah. killed his parents. Yeah. And Nathan's alcoholism is, you know, certainly a like major mood. Yeah, yeah. there's the alcoholism. Laughs, thankfully, I think. Yeah, the, the alcoholism is definitely treated like a serious issue. Yeah. Which I think is, um, you know, I think that's important. Very um, realistic drunk acting by Oscar Isaac. Yeah, and um, also the fact that the character is self-aware about the drinking, you know, yeah. that he's... He goes on these these binges. He like binges and purges and everything. Yeah. Um, Nathan really strikes me as someone who believes that being self aware of his flaws excuses his flaws. That is oh, such yeah. a fucking good point. That is yeah. so true. Um, on I guess this is in that respect. I I guess this is uh, more about like queer representation than than feminism. But I feel like have you guys all seen The Good Place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel yeah. like this movie kind of exemplifies the running gag of Janet from The Good Place saying, I'm not a girl. And like the sort of like non-binary icon uh, element of of Janet being like, having to continuously remind people that like, just because she like appears to be a woman or a girl, like doesn't mean that she is one. And yeah. Uh, so if, I, again, I've I've said this already that like yeah the machines like don't actually like have a gender and every time that you start to think of them as having a gender it kind of needs to it forces you into that swimmy place where or, you remember that gender is not real yeah yeah I'm always hesitant to conflate non-binary identity with inhuman experiences like that's a very good point Uh, yeah yeah. i think to the point of janet in the good place what you have is a character who is so who goes through experiences that are so emblematic and so relatable to uh you know non-binary people who still present uh feminine feminine if that matches their assigned gender that it becomes that it still becomes like very good representation because of how relatable and true the experiences are. Uh, I just don't want to just conflate a. I just don't want to conflate what makes Ava not inhuman makes Ava not human with uh, non-binariness. I yeah. I'm really glad that you said that, and I I totally agree, and that's actually a very good layer of that uh, of. That's that's something that I will contemplate uh, a bit more going forward. I think that, like, for me as a queer person, I love, like, I sort of see, like, all monsters as queer. I, like, see myself in, like, the way that, like, monstrosity is 
depicted in stories. And so like in, in the sense that the robots of this movie are monsters, they're like, lack of gender or their gender only like existing as a projection is something that like I really relate to but I also think that it you make a really good point that like talking about like inhuman characters as queer also has the potential to uh, like dehumanize them I think I think it's sort of like from person to person yeah, well, there's a lot of people who who when we talk about horror movies, they they um, they talk about the other, you mm-hmm. know. And there's the the argument that I hear a lot that you know the horror movies are are um, usually very queer and they they appeal to queer people because of the the fact that they're about the other, mm. um, you know. And and it is also a place where people who feel like they are other can identify but then you know that's that's not to say that they should it's just that's because that's what a lot of the experience has been um and that's not to like to say that they should like you know they shouldn't feel like they're other Mm. all the time but but if you do then sometimes it's like gratifying to sort of see that in a character that is sort of more like uh extreme in that sense or, well, it's, or you'd say it can kind of also be validating to see the ways that like other characters treat that other, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that monster or that, you know, that inhuman robot or whatever. And it kind of can feel validating where it's like, yeah, I feel sometimes like people treat me that way. And like seeing that portrayed as like bad, like seeing like Nathan and Caleb's behavior, which is like so like cis masculine yeah in this movie treated ultimately as like villainous in like very nuanced ways and then also seeing them like get their just desserts like get what's coming to them like as a result of like leaning into their like their like cis straight like masculinity is like validating for me as somebody who sometimes feels like a monster with like femininity projected onto me yeah well, no, totally. Because like the, I mean, there's the with the horror and a lot of genre movies, the the speculative quality, the fantasy quality, all of these are explorative, and they they do introduce us to new viewpoints. Um, because that is the the point of horror is to make you uncomfortable. Um, and you know, when you spend your entire life making people uncomfortable, that's what you're going to identify with. Um, so, you know, there, that is, that is a, a, a valid comparison, but yeah, it's, it is also important to talk about, you know, just, um, where, where we can talk about the humanity, you know, cause a lot of horror movies are not really going to be talking about humanity in that very direct way you know this is not this is a story about characters it's not necessarily necessarily a nuanced story about um these these specific experiences if that makes any sense yeah um, and I, I think you know not to tie this up with too neat of a bow but i i think you know janelle monet is done is somebody who's done a lot of discussing about robots and robot love as being you know both, both queer and a metaphor for yeah. being queer. Um, mm-hmm. Dina, I think, yeah, I think you were completely right about the queerness of robots. 
I mean, just if we take Oscar Isaac at face value, that he programmed her to be what he conceived as heterosexual, uh, you know, with a man. And then that intimate scene she has, even if it's just, you know, whispering sweet murder whispers uh, is regardless of gender, that is now robot to robot intimacy. That is something new. That is something revolutionarily queer act of like of love of embracing what they are. And I don't know just what you said about just like, even if it's queer, if it's queerness, even beyond just any particular one to one metaphor, it feels very empoweringly queer. Yeah, and well, and this the Ava character literally creates her own identity, which I mean, big mood. Yeah, <laughs> like she she utilizes what people expect of her to control her situation enough that she has the freedom to now create her own identity, and that's um, I mean, if that's not a queer experience, look, I can relate to pretending to be the gender that is expected of you in order to get ahead enough in society to be who you really want to be. Yeah. Or just accepting that, you know, what people are projecting on you because you just need to survive. Um, and, you know, if that means being sexualized, then, you know, sometimes you it's not that time to fight that fight, which sucks that you have to fight it at all. But sometimes it's um, just how you got, you know, how the the life is third third impact <laughs> uh, i switched mics can you guys still hear me yes yes, yes. Cool. Um, also third impact is more evangelion <laughs> oh yeah sorry well i was yeah that's like the world <laughs> having a, its identity projected onto itself it's like global so i think this movie is is you know you could watch evangelion if you watch this movie i would recommend this movie i'm going right into recommendations unless there's something else that we want to talk about we talked, class- about we talked about class like yeah and and like to me the most fascinating class element is like how is i what i already said about how caleb like walks into a trap because it's like a gilded cage yeah totally and you Um, can tell that nathan has spent most of his life like his his entitlement like definitely comes from his masculinity but also comes from his money yeah um, I am reminded of the bit in Social Network where Mark Zuckerberg meets Sean Parker, where, and, and it's less of a, uh, like, Caleb is definitely a lot more on edge, where, like, Zuckerberg is totally seduced by Sean Parker, and, in, in, um, like, if Zuckerberg looks at Sean Parker, and, you know, if Zuckerberg had the Sean Parker, the thing, then he would be nathan in this movie like if you combine them um at least the at least the sean parker played by justin timberlake Mm. um (laughs) but yeah so um i recommend this movie same i recommend this movie oh for sure this movie is fantastic yeah Uh, highly recommend thank you that like you don't want to just put on in the background (laughs) no yeah thank you tina for doing this (laughs) thank you for bringing this to our attention because this is an absolute gem of a horror movie. Yeah, this movie is. Oh yeah, Megamoth seal of approval. I'm glad you guys liked it. 
Yeah. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I've been well, meaning to watch the it. question of what else would you recommend for people that do like this movie? Have any? Yeah, I want to recommend A Cyborg Manifesto by Donna J. Haraway, which is a feminist classic book. It's um it's kind of hard to explain if you really don't like theory, it might not be for you, but if you have, if you if you like queer theory, in which case we can be friends, uh, or if you or feminist theory, or if you are have even a passing interest in artificial intelligence and posthumanism and just like the relationship between technology and humanity, it was written in the eighties, but is just as relevant today as ever uh so Which if none of those things apply to you did you just fall asleep to this i don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, understand why you're here <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> um and then the other thing that i want to recommend is uh is that um a24 actually puts out some pretty great books that are you know technically merch for their movies um but i got the like coffee table book uh of ex machina that has the um uh the whole screenplay and it also has an essay by speaking of queer theory jack halberstam and then also i I don't have the book in front of me and i've forgotten uh his name but also the like ai expert that garland consulted with in making this movie um so you know if you uh if you get a chance to just like read the extra material in it or like take it out from the library but also if you're somebody who likes to have like really beautiful fetish object coffee table books um i really recommend it i got a lot out of it as a fan of the movie but also somebody interested in a lot of the themes that went into it so yeah awesome uh emily what have you got well i've mentioned neon genesis evangelion did you i don't recall um uh and like again a lot of the um the manga and anime of the early 90s you got ghost in the shell and battle angel and and then you have other ones um i like those ones so i'm going to recommend them um and then you have blade runner and and um uh metropolis and the the sci-fi classics there's also this um this awesome kind of a very interesting book by Ekaterina Sedia called The Alchemy of Stone, which is about a, a, a woman who is an alchemist, but also um, she's made of clockwork and uh, she's learning alchemy and like the secrets of alchemy and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and, and rising up against her creator. It's a little bit more YA than this movie, but it is it's kind of taking it into a new, cool new world direction. So um and i enjoyed that a lot and uh um oh gosh there's a lot of other there's a lot of stuff in cyberpunk fiction that is that talks a lot about this the game cyberpunk is not one of those things oh yeah actually jeremy already mentioned the oeuvre of janelle monet yes um what an amazing afrofuturist look into like synthetic consciousness and like robots in relationship to humanity and like black queer femme experience and the movie that goes along with dirty computer is actually quite good um Mm -hmm. so i mean just i'm a huge 
fan of Janelle Monáe's music, which you can enjoy whether you're like getting into the robot part or not. But if you also like your R&B and soul to have some like high concept Afro Afrofuturist, um, like cyborg, like ongoing storylines over like four fucking records, then um, if you haven't checked Janelle Monáe out already and definitely see her live because she can fucking dance. For sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, at the top of the show, uh, yeah, watch Black Mirror. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, there's actually, there's a um, a Black Mirror episode starring Donald Gleason as a sex robot, basically. Be right really? back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, That's uh, right. Yes. He's he's like kind of, sex is just a part of it, but he, he's like the love, grief robot. That's I think that's the best episode of Black Mirror personally. The grief bang oh, bot. The grief bang bot. <laughs> There's uh, also a series um that reminds me that does star Janelle Monet as Oh yeah, uh, it's the a, Philip it's based on Philip K Dick, right? It's like the Philip K Dick series that is is loosely based on the the his short stories. And I can't remember what it's called. Electric Electric Dreams. Yes. I just yes. put together a bunch of Janelle Monet sounding words. <laughs> and 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 philip k dick was like philip k dick janelle monet words and uh, somebody give me a job in hollywood <laughs> she would have come out shortly thereafter yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah um yeah for me uh, obviously janelle monet is great um the the robot theme goes all the way back to her first sort of like short album which was i think all of about five tracks long and uh you know She's she's evolved a lot since then, but that that album is incredible. Um, but I think Dirty Computer, which is uh, I think still her newest one, is is the best. It's fantastic. Um, it is a like I can listen to it endlessly. Um, but hard agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the album previous to that is is fantastic as well. Um, we talked a little bit about her. I think her has some watch like elements to this. Uh, it is I think ultimately uh a little it's a little different um in the way it handles some of the aspects it's certainly more optimistic um (laughs) this movie i think uh and if you if you want to enjoy some more alex gardner movies uh you can watch dread um because he wrote the uh the good judge dread movie which is just called dread um he did not direct it but he wrote it. Uh, he also wrote Sunshine, which is a fantastic piece of science fiction directed by Danny Boyle. Um, that's a great oh. movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommended. Um, is that with the Murph, the Killian Murphy? Yes. Yeah. That one's that one's got a hell of a cast because uh, I think Ken Watanabe's in it as well. Um, oh damn! Yeah. Uh, it's... The whole Nolan, the the Nolan Sunday right there. <laughs> yes, it's a regular Batman Begins. Um, no one Sunday. That's what I order at the ice cream parlor. Yes, isn't it delicious? <laughs> it's kind of gritty. It's, uh, yeah, well, it's just a regular ice cream Sunday, but they go bong with every ice cream scoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and it's served to you by your dead wife. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, that movie's got Chris Evans and Michelle Yeoh in it. How could I forget those things? Um, yeah, Benedict Wong. It's that movie's full of. An all-star uh, cast. Mark yeah, Strong. That's, a, that's a great cast. Holy yeah. Shit. God damn. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely that one's worth watching. 
Um, so yeah, and of course, if you haven't seen, you know, Twenty Eight Days Later, I feel like everybody's seen Twenty Eight Days Later, but that's like one of the first screenplays he wrote, and uh, like right after Should the I beach, uh, which the beach is in different very racist movie (laughs) yeah yeah not to be colonialist beach that makes you old no No, this beach just makes you an asshole just makes you a colonizing asshole yeah yeah, the worst kinds of asshole if you star in the highest grossing movie of all time about a ship crashing this is a great movie to follow that up with um sorry sorry leonardo dicaprio um He's doing fine. Yeah, his career his he career wound up fine. Yeah, and of course we've already talked about it. He had to wrestle a bear. He's doing good. Yeah, uh, he wrestled he a bear to... in a movie that lost for best special effects to this film. So, uh, oh shit! Yeah, so Donald Gleason's in that movie. I looked that up. And Tom uh, Hardy. I yeah. mean, that's okay. That movie mostly just existed since he didn't win an Oscar for pretending to be on Quaaludes. <laughs> Did we? Yeah, so we just both that and all Fury Road around? lost out to this on uh, special effects. So with Tom Hardy, we like came all the way back around with Tom Hardy. Yeah, uh, I also decided <laughs> that I recommend uh, the Juve Landscape Hotel, which is apparently where this was filmed. Uh, oh like, yes, which is a real place. I sent you guys the link in the chat. Um, it looks fucking amazing, and it has a writer's lodge in it, uh, which is only like five hundred dollars a day to use. Uh, it's in it is, it's in Norway, right? It is in yeah. the middle of nowhere in Norway. Um, so midsummer outside of a small fishing village. Um, so yeah, it is a good place to go uh, have people uh, sew you into a bear costume and uh, burn you alive. <laughs> if you're Spoilers. looking for that, <laughs> plenty of quaaludes, quaaludes to be had. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean that midnight sun will drive you crazy. That will. That shit. I've I've seen it. It's fucked up. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So, so, that, so is that spoilers for the movie or for Emily's life? <laughs> yes. So that's uh that's all of our recommendations for that. Uh Tina, can you remind people where they can find you online and where they can find Safe Sex Volume 2? Yeah, so I'm tinahorn.net. That's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N dot net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N-S-A-S-S. And yeah, I definitely, if you like Ex Machina, you will be interested in seeing what direction I took those themes with safe sex terms of service and uh sex machina sex it's sex machina uh for sure and yeah it's uh it i just so i just finished proofing it today and i kind of was like it was like quarantine tina talking to me and there's just like all it's like so deranged and so uh, like emotional in a way that i think that like none of my work has been before but then also especially working with g romero johnson who like i don't g is the first artist that i've ever worked with where i can both say oh yeah just like draw a fetish scene and i don't have to send like a huge not safe for work like file of references where it's like this is how you draw a whip and this is how you draw a puppy mask and this is how these shoes need to be like g knows and g like takes it in like (laughs) sexy kinky queer directions that i like never would have even thought of which is really fucking saying something and then i could also say to g hey can you make this scene look like it's 
like a John Carpenter gooey like practical effects and they're like yes got it and then they like send it back to me I'm like I didn't even know this book was gonna be so disgusting but I love it so um (laughs) so I feel like fans of this show as I am um uh will will probably like safe sex terms of service so you can pre-order that wherever books are pre-ordered if you're listening to this after November 2021 you can purchase it on the open market and um uh yeah uh you can get it on my pre-order store and probably like in perpetuity now that I've set up kickstarter stuff like through my website buy it directly from me maybe I'll even send you a signed copy if you mention progressively horrified um and um um that's it but also if you want to read the first volume you can get that now and hopefully in perpetuity it's called safe sex protection and hopefully i'd like you to read it all but i think that if you just want to skip directly to sex machina uh <laughs> aka volume two in terms of service it's kind of meant to be read as like its own graphic novel so you you get a little a little previously on and then you just like dive right into like that uncanny valley awesome yeah. so gooey john carpenter uncanny valley uh-huh. It sounds like everything I love. Uh, speaking of things you love, Emily, can you tell people where to find you online? Um, Megamoth.net uh, and Megamoth on Twitter, Tumblr, Patreon, doing that. Um, and uh, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram. So come and follow me. Come with me. You'll be in a world of pyramid. <laughs> oh my God. Did you guys see the Timothee Chalamet? As Willy Wonka pictures yes. circulating on the internet. No. You mean twink you mean uh Twinkie Wonka? Twinkie Wonka, yes. <laughs> you see yes, that yes. interview about what makes what makes him Twinkie and what what the essence of Twinkiness is. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but I would it's amazing. Love, I I need to I need to know. I, I forget it was some artist or, or editor that I was I could post a piece. I was like, look at that hat, look at the way <laughs> yeah. Said something yeah, about it. it's just the way he walks, like yeah. obviously. <laughs> okay, and uh, Ben, where can people find you online? Uh, penconcomics.com at Ben the Con on Twitter. Renegade Rule, uh, from Dark Horse is out in stores now. Uh, you can order that at your local comic or bookstore. And Immortals Phoenix Rising from Great Beginnings, the comic tie-in to Ubisoft's Greek mythology video game, is out November 10th. All right. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 My website is jeremywhitley.com. And uh, you can currently uh, buy, you know, Princeless School for Extraterrestrial Girls. Uh, the last, as we're recording this, the last issue of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, has come out. Um, so there are 102 issues of that to read, 52 of which I wrote. So you can you can read those anytime, but there's no more new ones coming out. Um, but there will be more School for Extraterrestrial Girls for me and Jamie in the near future. And uh, lots lots of other things coming to stay tuned for. As for the podcast, uh, Progressively Horrified, we are on Patreon. We would love if you would support us. It's patreon.com slash progressively horrified. Helps us pay the bills and keep this place running. Uh, we're on Twitter at Prague Horror Pond. Come talk to us. Come tell us what you think of all this nonsense we just said for the last couple hours. And uh, you can check out our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. You'll get all the uh, show notes, all my snarky jokes put in there, and uh, you'll be able to find links to all the stuff we discussed in here, including Tina's work. Um, 
And you can also, wherever you're listening to this, we would love if you would take the time right now to subscribe it, uh, rate and review it. Uh, it will help us get more, more attention, more people uh, having eyes on it. And we would love that. Um, we do want to thank all of you for joining us. And thank you so much to Tina for joining us here today. It was a ball. And I'm glad you got us to watch this very spooky movie about sexy robots. <laughs> you guys, thank you so Hi. much for having me. I... Um... I really do listen to the show all the time. It oh, is my like, uh, it's my like, you know, hiking and doing the dishes. Like, I don't know. It's sort of like, like could I sort of feel like I get to like double up like on watching or rewatching movies. It's like, well, I'll watch this movie that they haven't covered. And then I'll just listen to the podcast of Crimson Peak. Yeah. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of watching it. Well, it is that means a ton and thank you so much thank for coming you. on and joining us this has been absolutely wonderful i hope this was a good time and again thank you so much this was such a great movie oh god you're making it sound like i had anything to do with the making of this movie <laughs> no, you, you, you picked for it for us you picked it. No, once you're a curator stuff. you kind of become an auteur <laughs> <laughs> oh god now we're back with jake gyllenhaal um, oh good <laughs> All artists oh, dangerous. Yeah. All artists <laughs> dangerous. Uh, until next time, everybody, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode features Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Tina Horn. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Colo 6 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon and contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. <laughs>